The Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find The Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, yo, man, how the heck are you? It is The Monty Show, presented by our good friends at The Advocates. As always, guys, I tell you every single day on this show, the advocates are the best injury attorneys in the business, hands down, not even close. When you go to an attorney and the first thing they ask you for is a check, that's when you know you're in trouble and see at the advocates. You don't pay the advocates unless and until they win your case. No consultation fees, no big retainers, just the help you need to get to the best version of yourself. So whether it's a car accident, a motorcycle accident, if you got hit on a bicycle, did you get hurt at work today? Theadvocates.com. Chat with an attorney for free right now at theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Good to see you guys. Already Thursday this week. Uh, I can tell you we've been watching the U.S. Open all day. Um, and Xander Shoffley and Ricky Flipping Fowler. How about Ricky Fowler Stunt. and Xander Shoffley shooting a minus eight? 62 to lead the U.S. Open. That is the lowest U.S. Open score ever, and it is tied for the lowest major championship score ever, and not one but two guys did it today at the L.A. Country Club, which looks to me, I think there's going to be a lot of low scores today, um, although I would say Shoffley and Fowler at minus eight both share a four-stroke lead uh, Scotty Scheffler's at minus three. DeChambeau's in the clubhouse at minus three. Um, names like Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, uh, my guy Brooks Kepka. Those guys just teed off. They're in the very early stages of their round. So as the show goes on, we'll uh, keep you up to date on that real quick. And I know everybody's here for as the Pac-12 turns. Is golf a major sport in this country? I mean... I'm all in on it. I got. I, I got to be I honest. I love with watching. You. I love watching them watching golf, man. I mean, there's once you get into it a little bit and you start to kind of understand the nuance. It's it's really a a fun sport to watch. By the way, Phil Mickelson is wearing Air Jordans today. Is he? Has there been a Has there been a turn? It's not accidental. And with all the live golf controversy, it is not accidental that a guy like Phil Mickelson puts on Air Jordans. So I'm just curious about that. But yeah, are you guys golf fans? Obviously, you you know that we play a ton of golf. Um, I am invested in golf. My wife got me a great putting green, um, you know, putting tracker, trainer tool. Um, I've got a hitting net set up in my backyard. I have, I you know, I take golf lessons. Like, I'm all in on it. Mm -hmm. But I love, there is nothing like Sunday at a major tournament. Mm -hmm. Kick the feet up. Fire up the trigger smoker with the wings. Like, I, I'm all in on it. Yeah. Um, C. Coppin says to play yes, to watch not so much. So you'll play, you just don't watch. Infamous Montoya says pass on golf. Um, interesting. A lot, of, a lot of people are like, yeah, hey, I like to play. Uh, the course is set up too easy. Dry those greens up. Dude, the greens are drying up. They're very fast now as the day has gone on. Um, Michael Batts says, I'm not watching golf until they wear shorts. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Dave Patrick, by the way, Dave Patrick, everybody welcome Dave Patrick, our newest hey. member. 
Let's go, Dave. Good to welcome you to the membership. Thank you so much. Uh, make sure you guys hit the join button. It's as little as $1.99 a month, all the way up to $9.99 a month. You got breaking Utah jazz news first in our Instagram members only group today. You get that premium content, $9.99 a month. All of our breaking news on the, on the NFL, college football, NBA, you get all of that in the app. Uh, when you in the uh, Instagram group, excuse me, when you join at nine ninety nine. But Dave, appreciate you supporting the show, man. Um, really appreciate that. Uh, Dave says uh, each to their own. Yeah. Saw yeah. too many marriages get broken up by golf. How is that? Well, because you're out on the course too much. Well, I mean, I think you have to. Yeah, I'm. I. It's why I try to get my wife to play with play with us. Yeah. So. Uh, but good to see you guys. Good to see you guys. What's up, Lonnie? Uh, Johansson says, hi, guys. How are you today? Good, Lonnie. Good, good to see good. you. Good LB Seminole says, I'll watch the Masters or when Kepka is in contention. Brooks is on the course right now. Yep. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just telling you that, hey, dude, I, I'm, I'm into it. Um, two Masters um, says, golf, I'd rather watch Dixie State Varsity Frisbee. Okay, okay. I mean, that's just not very nice. That is not very nice. Okay. But that's fine. Two Masters, always good to see you. Um, let's get into the show here uh, on the Monty Show. So today, I thought a very interesting, very interesting move over the last few days was this situation with Mark Harlan at Utah, the athletic director, who... And, and I don't know how anybody else would grade Mark Harlan and the job he's done as anything other than spectacular mm -hmm. because he has just been a phenomenal breath of fresh air as an athletic director, um, whether it's been the, the absolute explosion of the football program, um, what he's done for women's basketball, track and field, gymnastics. I mean, you look at women's softball this year, going to the College World Series. I mean... I don't know that anybody can question the job that Mark Harlan's done. Right. What you can question is Mark Harlan's decision to pass on the USC athletic director position <coughs> to stay at Utah. Jake, how surprised by that were you? Yeah, you know, I think that when, you know, you look at these two jobs, they're obviously very different jobs. You know, obviously two different conferences, two different lifestyles. You know, money's probably a little bit different. You know, can't say, obviously we don't have details on if USC would have offered more or less, but I have to be, you know, inclined to think it would have been more, um, you know, so and obviously it's California versus Utah. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and I'm not a big believer that every single person on planet Earth prefers California over Utah. You know, I think, I think the state of Utah has got a ton of value so for me you know i i wasn't necessarily surprised but i do believe that um you know if you're going to choose to stay at utah and therefore choose to stay in the pac-12 you're therefore endorsing the endorsing a tv deal situation on some level you like in my opinion you wouldn't stay in a conference at a job at a particular university if you didn't believe that that university and therefore the conference the university is in was going in the right direction. Yes. I mean, again, like I don't think it's, I don't think it's hot take guy or rocket science or reinventing the wheel to say something like, Hey, if you're going to, if you're going to, to be a free agent for five minutes, 
and work on a renewal with Utah or get calls from schools like USC. You got to take everything into consideration. When I say everything, I want to be specific. I'm talking about day-to-day life. I'm talking about, you know, your family's preferences, obviously your own personal preferences. So when I saw that he signed an extension through 2028, uh, my first reaction to that was, well, hey, on some level, isn't that an, a, a vote of confidence in the TV deal situation? Because you wouldn't stay somewhere if you weren't confident in where your school was going. And it very much could be a thing where, you know, Mark Harland is is in a position where he's like, hey, like my family's happy here. I'm happy here. So no matter what happens with the TV deal, I'm going to be good either way. But, but. I just think that Mark Harlan's done too good of a job at Utah to not consider all of his options. Because when you do that good of a job and USC comes calling as they're going into the Big Ten, that's a big decision to say no to that situation, especially when you consider, you know, the expanded football playoff uh, or the expanded college football playoff and and everything that USC has to offer from that standpoint. That's yeah. a big no. Yeah, I think the other thing that is very clear is this story that is coming out of Los Angeles today where you get this new big bang facility uh, out of USC. Um, they announced the, a, a huge facility upgrade, which I, I think is exactly what they, they should be doing. I mean, if you're USC, why would you not have a state-of-the-art facility? Um, and I think you look at this, and I, I'll be honest with you, as somebody who's covered USC, their facilities have not always been, how shall I say, top-notch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you look at the the complex that is coming out of USC. Look at that, dude. The, the practice facilities, in Uba- and baseball's a big deal, right? Baseball's a big deal. But you look at the, again, this is an on-campus facility, on or near-campus facility. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. It's something that I think has been absolutely... Um, I don't know, in, in the works for a long time. Um, and I think when you look at this facility, they're talking about support for all 21 programs um, to carry them into the future. Yeah. And again, with all due respect, I think anybody who listens to this show knows that I support the Pac-12. I'm a huge believer in in the brand and the value in Salt Lake City at the University of Utah. I, I'm a huge believer in it. How did you pass on the USC job? I mean, it's stunning to me. And we were, one of the things we were arguing about when I was sitting on Jake's chest, like punching him in the face repeatedly in the pre-show meeting, one of the things we were discussing- I'm a man! Passionately was, is that the Big 10 at USC or is that USC who happens to be in the Big 10? And I, I think this is a this is a real discussion. I mean, you you- you look at this facility now and, and you say to yourself, hey, this is a mammoth development at USC. This is, let's keep this in mind, they're not in Westwood or Beverly Hills. They're in South Central Los Angeles. That's where, where USC's campus is. And this facility is unbelievable when you look at what USC is building. And, and, and I bring this up because all of this broke today and I say to myself, man, yeah, Utah's got great facilities. But this is USC. And with all due respect to, to, to Utah, and I mean no slight, this is USC. Yeah. 
And I'm curious, if you are Mark Harlan and you're the University of Utah Athletics, I think you absolutely just got a fist bump with the Pac-12. You said, hey, we believe in you. We're staying here. Because if, if you truly had questions at Utah, if you did not believe in the, the, the veracity of the, the things coming from your commissioner, George Glyovkov, and if you did not buy into, hey, we're going to get a TV deal on level with the Big 12, I think you have to take that job. Mm-hmm. Because most certainly during the interview process, Mark Harlan was well aware this announcement was coming today. Right. That, right. There's no question about that. So I am really surprised that Mark Harlan passed on USC. Yeah, and I and, and that's why I say I, I think it I, I think it's fair and reasonable to say something like, hey, this is a vote of confidence, not only in the Pac twelve, of course, but in the T V deal situation and obviously in the University of Utah and Taylor Randall. I, I mean again, I, I think you know, there's a lot that goes into these decisions, but I just don't think a guy of, like, if this was somebody who was just average, who was just mediocre, who was just at a program, an athletic program that was just kind of mulling along, that was just kind of average, not really doing anything, I'd be like, well, you know, he you know, he, he just wanted job stability. He just wanted to stay where sure. he was, didn't want to go anywhere. Sure. But that's not what this is. This is Mark Harlan, bro. This guy knows how to operate. This guy's got an athletic program. That is going the absolute right direction. You know, the whole up and to the right thing. Like, that's what's happening at Utah. So, for me, I I just think it's, it, it, like, it is absolutely a vote of confidence in in the Pac-12. And it makes me wonder, hey, does, does Mark Harland and, by extension, Taylor Randall already know what the TV deal looks like? Yeah. Like, like what, where, I'm curious where they're well, at in the information pipeline. And, and I'll go back to what we talked about. When we talked to our sources in Salt Lake about the University of Utah, they straight up told us, hey, man, it's no slight to the Big 12, which, by the way, hold on to that chunk of gristle for a minute because I want to talk about this (coughs) step down to the Big 12. But the people we talked to in Salt Lake at, at, at the University of Utah told us, point blank, we have a lot of respect for for the Big 12. It is no slight. We just really enjoy the relationship that we have with the, the remaining nine members. We believe as a group, we are formidable and strong. And we believe that we need to give, you know, George Klyovkov a chance to do the job that he was given. Yeah. And we have been reporting exclusively on this show that Taylor Randall, the president at Utah, has been a peacemaker throughout the process. He has been preaching patience and opportunity. And I, I just think Utah is wholly committed to their current partners in the Pac-12. For better or for worse, for their, you know, for their long-term prosperity or demise, that's yet to be determined. Utah's committed to the other nine members of the conference. Mm-hmm. And when your athletic director has a chance, and I don't mean to keep going back to this, but dudes, you look at this tweet from SC football. That is, that is, that is USC football right there, dude. Look at the practice facility. They're talking about rooftop hospitality. They're talking about lounges and like VIP areas. And you're talking about an institution that is wholly committed, wholly committed to the absolute prosperity of their athletes. Yeah, absolutely. Finding any way they can to make money, uh, 
you know, in their athletic program. And, and again, this is what I talk about all the time. Like, I, I know we have this conversation, you know, repeatedly with, you know, Brett Yormark in the Big 12 and all the things they're doing. But this, yeah. to me, is right up that same alley where you're, you're, you're basically saying, hey, like, okay, yeah, we've got a football team and we've got a practice facility where they practice. But at that same time, essentially, we're playing football. Okay, so how do we make money on that? Anytime... They strap up the pads and they're on the football field and Lincoln Riley's blowing the whistle. How can we make money on that? And that's why I love this because it's like, okay, yeah, obviously the facility is way nicer. Obviously it's beautiful. It's everything you would ever want as a football player and frankly as an SC fan. Yes. But the idea that you would have things like rooftop lounging and like, uh, you know, ways for people to spend money because that's how I like to word it. You're giving people a chance to spend their money in your facility. It may not be that you're selling a hot dog, but maybe it's merch. Maybe it's like a bunch of other things. I don't know. Breaking news actually on this exact topic. Mark Harlan just tweeted, uh, extremely honored, humbled, and grateful to President U of U and the board of trustees who share the vision of succeeding in all we do with tremendous integrity. We have elite students, coaches, and staff supported by a passionate community. This is our home and we're just getting started. There you go. And you know what? I, I think, listen, again, if you're if you're a fan of the Pac-12, if you're a Utah guy, uh, or up there they say if you're a Utah man, um, if you're a fan of the Pac-12, this is a huge boost of confidence. Yes. This is because I'm telling you, Utah is an integral part of the Pac-12. They, I mean, they're absolutely a, a, an important I, I, I don't even know if you lost Utah, I, I honestly, I think if you lost Utah, this conference would be in a very difficult position, mm -hmm. very difficult position. I'm not just talking about football. Like I think Utah is in a, a linchpin in this conference to have the athletic director at Utah say no to USC, sign a contract extension at Utah is nothing short of one of the greatest saves that we've seen in college sports history. Mm -hmm. Because not only did USC gut this conference, not only did USC cut the knees out on this conference, destroy the foundation of this conference, mm -hmm. take Southern California away from this conference, take recruits in mass away from this conference, take dollars, ad partners, Everything that is important and makes up the absolute air and blood that you need to survive. Thanks. SC and UCLA took that to the Big Ten. The idea that they would go and get who I think is the best athletic director in this conference, Mark Harlan at Utah, that SC would steal him would have absolutely been nails through your testicles, dude. Like... <laughs> The pain of the pain. Right. Because this cat, Mark Harlan, I can only say it so many times, is an elite administrator, an elite leader, Thanks. an elite representative. To have lost him to USC would have been catastrophic. Absolutely catastrophic to, to the conference and to the University of Utah. Yeah. Because what he's done... Forget, forget football in the back-to-back -back Pac-12 championships and the back-to-back -back Rose Bowl appearances. Forget all that. The softball team just went to the, the College World Series. The Red Rocks are as strong as they have ever been. 
the women's basketball team is as good as it has ever been. You look at the, the secondary sports. He's in, I sat three seats away from Mark Harlan at the regional and the super regional. Like Mark Harlan is invested yeah. in this university at Utah. Salt Lake City has never had a better manager. And the, the growth and the acceleration, the, the, I could go on and on and on. This was a huge save mm -hmm. by the University of Utah. And I don't know if it was about money. I don't know if it was about stability. But the other thing that I will say is Mark Harlan's a man of integrity. And the idea, because I don't know many athletic directors who would, who would push off the overtures of a six-foot blonde who's ready to absolutely dump truck you. I want it. Like, like. I mean, a thirsty honey uh -huh. at USC. Uh -huh. To turn that down is really difficult. To say no to the University of Southern California with the, when you're on the verge of probably a dynasty and, and huge money, you said, no, I'm staying at Utah. Yeah. And I think that is absolutely, positively a vote of confidence, a fist bump, a bro hug, a dap up to the Pac-12. Yes. I don't know any other way to say it. Yep. I, I truly do not. Yep. Because you walked away from brand new facilities to support all 21 sports at USC. Yeah. It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. Yep. Totally agree. Did he walk away from the Big Ten or did he walk away from USC? Hmm. I think that he uh, decided to stay home. I don't know what he walked away from. I think he probably walked away from SC. I think that the conference portion of it, you know, it's hard to say because it's such a philosophical question. You know, you, you like, you know, for the last couple of weeks, we've been going round and round in the Pac-12 about the, the different, you know, mindsets on this conference situation, this TV deal situation with these administrators. And so, you know, to, to sign an extension, to then tweet about that extension and the way that he yep. did in such a positive fashion, which, you know, obviously I would expect him to tweet something, but you know, you didn't need, you didn't have to say what he said here. And I think, you know, that's kind of, that's what I kind of notice is the little details. Like he could have just said, yeah, you know, have like thrilled to continue at Utah, like just a basic ass, you know, no effort type tweet. He could have, he could have just done that, but instead, you know, I mean, look at what he's talking about here. Students, coaches, staffs, you know, Taylor Randall, like all this great stuff. And so it's like, all right, well, did he walk away from SC or did he walk away from the conference? In my opinion, you probably, probably you weren't walking away from either of those. You were more in the mindset of, Hey, I want to, I just want to stay here. I'm happy here. I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not too interested in looking at other opportunities, but it brings me right back to again, as soon as I say that, it brings me right back to what do you mean you're not interested in USC? Like that's, that's a big that's deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's that's one of those gigs. We're not, you know, uh for 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 everybody yesterday, we're not talking about Cincinnati. We're not talking <laughs> about San Diego State. Easy. Right? We're talking about SC. We're talking about a program that no longer is living off of Pete Carroll and Reggie Bush, but is now living yeah. off Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams. And I think that's a huge step forward for them. So who, who's he walking away from? 
I don't know he's walking away from anything. I think the guy just likes where he is and wanted to go another couple of years. I think this is... Oh, I totally disagree. I 100% disagree. What I think Mark Harlan did here was send a message. Because let, let's, get, let's get clear on a couple of things. Mark Harlan's not just some dude who isn't on Twitter and, you know, doesn't... Mark Harlan's dialed. Hey, guys. Yeah, I mean, we're not going anywhere... Like, give me a break, like... Sign an extension. Mark Harlan didn't do anything but say, I'm not a sellout. Yeah. I am a, I'm a Utah man. And look, I get it. Life in Salt Lake City is, you know, having spent a lot of my life in Salt Lake City, it's spectacular. It's really tough to beat it. I understand all of the lifestyle stuff. This was not that. Yeah. This was not a paycheck. This was, I'm Mark Harlan and I'm not going to sell out. Yeah. And I'm not going to go chase the paycheck. It's, I feel like, and, and, and I could be wrong about this. And if I'm making too much out of it, please feel free to step up and tell me that. I feel like this is live golf versus the PGA. I feel like this is, hey, you, you Fs in the Big Ten and you think you're all holier than thou with your $100 million and well, that's the college football version of blood money. You go ahead and take that. I'm here and I'm going to stand and fight. Yeah. That's what this feels like to me. Yeah. This wasn't, oh, well, my family and we have this beautiful rock wall with Ivy growing up it in the backyard. No, 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 no. Um, this was screw you, SC. Screw you, Big Ten. I'm in the Pac-12, I'm at Utah, and I am happily here, and I'm going to fight, and we are going to win. Does he regret the decision in two years? No, hell no. Because at the end of the day, Mark Harlan, the athletic director at Utah, when he puts out this statement, when he says, um, who, who share a vision of succeeding in all we do with tremendous integrity... I'm going to guess tremendous integrity isn't, <laughs> hey, Carol Fultz, should we expand the Pac-12? Hey, nah, Carol. Man. Hey, man, no, no, you're good. Uh, hey, uh, hey, real quick, Carol, uh, Big Ten's on the phone. Kevin Warren wants to talk. Hey, guys, no, no expansion. I got to go. Okay. Whoop. All right. The ink hey. isn't dry yet. Hey, oh, hey, Kev. Like, that's not... That's not an act of... Wait, can, can we put the tweet back up? What, what was the verbiage? What, what was the verbiage? Uh, uh, tremendous integrity? I'm going to say that when Carol Folt gave Klyavkov the middle finger <laughs> and her assistant was like, oh, here's... A, ca, ca, hey, hey, Carol, Kevin Warren's on the phone. Watch talk. I guarantee you she didn't say, uh, this is Carol Folt. She was like, oh, hey, baby. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. She was ready to go, man. Yes. Yes. When you kill expansion in the Pac-12 and then immediately put pen to paper in the Big Ten, I'm going to say that's not acting with integrity. These are not accidental words, okay? Yeah, come on now. These are not accidental words. These are not accidental words. These are not accidental words from Sir. Mark Harlan. These, we're not leaving. Give me a break. Integrity, like... Like, no truth to this tweet whatsoever from Rick George. Yeah. What's the difference between that and give me a break? <laughs> right? Like, there's politicians, <laughs> and then there's there's politicians, and then there's give me a break. Right? 
You see the contrast? Oh, and then by the way, for him to say succeeding in all we do with tremendous integrity was a shot in the bulls at Carol Fult at USC, (laughs) who he said, no, Carol, enjoy your misery in the Big Ten. I think that's what this was today. This was not, oh, I I love Utah. The mountains are so pretty. And look at the birds chirping and singing. No, are people no. myring? That's all true, right? That's all true. Birds are cool. Deers and mooses and and mice and, and and geeses. That's all cool. Giving the middle finger to USC is even cooler than that. That's, that's not cool. That's gangster. Yes, it is. That's what that is. Yes, and I is. feel like that's what Mark Harlan did today. How about that? And hey, man, if that fires up the base, let's rock and roll. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. What are our lovely commenters saying today? Let's go. Uh, Landon McCurdy says, Dave, stop already. Nobody can take your comments seriously. Oh, boy. Who's Dave? What did Dave say? Uh, Dave said he will he will take Utah to the G5. Sure. Dave says they are taking a huge leap. I think I take the LA traffic. Well, that's why you're not the athletic director at Utah. Agreed. Right? Uh, Hero 75 gives us $5 to say, I would bet that part of the reason the USC facilities upgrade is due in part to the LA Olympics coming in 2028. Who cares? Who cares? By the way, if they were, if it was Olympic buildings, would it have SC branding everywhere? Right? Like, I mean, you, it, I don't think, dudes. Yeah, I don't think that has to do with the Olympics. Do you understand the money that USC has? Do you understand the boosters and the support yeah. that they have? They have one of the great campus atmospheres. I, I, I respectfully disagree. I don't think it has anything to do with the, Olymp- the Olympics. Yeah. And if it helps the Olympic movement, that's great. Or if, if it helps facilitate the games, that's great. Uh, Big Bad Brass Ball says, are you kidding me? That's a huge stretch for you to take. A vote of confidence in the Pac-12, a swing and a miss, Monty. Your takes are usually better. Okay, so let me just recap. So you don't think Mark Harlan, let's say worst case scenario happens from here on out. No Pac-12 grant of rights, no Pac-12 TV deal, the Pac-12 disintegrates. So Mark Harlan is not, at risk now. Well, yeah, he's absolutely at risk. Why would you sign an extension through 2028 if you thought the conference was going to burn to the ground? What do you mean, dude? And once again, I'm going to roll this back out at you just like I've done to Tanner and several other people. Don't come in here with this kind of take and not have a why behind it. You need to explain why it is that you think that he, by signing this extension, that's not a vote of confidence in that situation, the university itself, someone like Taylor Randall. Uh, by the way, it's a vote of confidence in the other ADs in the conference, even if you are as crappy as you are at Arizona State. Like, like it's not, they're not mutual. Like, like, they, like if you sign an extension somewhere, you are putting your confidence in that situation. Yes. I just don't understand yes. how you don't understand that. Maybe if you had silver balls instead of brass balls, you would get it, but you don't. So, like, I don't know how, like, how is this confusing, dude? How is this at all confusing? Yeah, I don't, I like, don't, I don't on, know. Man. Like, I, I don't think this can be considered anything other than a vote of confidence. Yeah, I just don't know. How like, is it any other way? 
Like I just don't. So let me get this right. So you're saying that dude signs this extension, and it's like, yeah, well, hmm, the conference burns to the ground. We'll be fine. I'll still make my, I think it's seven hundred thousand dollars a year, whatever it is, right? You're telling me that's what his mindset was. A guy who is attending regional and super regional softball games, a guy who is constantly on campus, a guy who goes to almost every sporting event. Come on, dude, be better. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is without question. I think it is without question a vote of confidence. I mean, I, I think when you look at the way that this conference has has um i don't even know how you would describe it i mean that's splintered in some factions i mean the clear divide between people like kirk schultz and president robbins at at arizona Mm -hmm. um i think you you look at you look at the colorado situation um and you, you start to say to yourself uh well you know maybe phil DiStefano, the chancellor there um, you know, maybe he's not as married to it as we thought he was in their special meeting on Monday. Uh, um, you, you look at the, the different ways that people, and I'm a big believer, and, and I've heard this repeatedly, when we, we were talking to somebody at Washington State last week who, who again reiterated that when you're talking as much as a guy like Kurt Schultz is talking, mm-hmm. you expose yourself. Mm-hmm. You expose yourself. Because it tells people, Ray Anderson at Arizona State saying that they, you know, he and they have never considered another conference. Well, we know that's absolute bullshit because yeah. your president said you've spoken to the 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 Big Twelve. Congratulations, but that's bullshit. We're going through a board of regents situation where the board of regents, while they may not in Arizona, the Arizona Board of Regents, while they may not be able to stop Arizona from splitting with Arizona State, a Board of Regents member straight up told us, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that it's very difficult for them to do that because we believe Arizona and Arizona State should stay together. Yes. So you look at all these different corners of the conference where there's been splintering, there's been fractions, there have been, you know, half-truths, fractions of truths. And then you look at Mark Harlan today, who left behind USC stayed and then you think it's accidental and this is probably a reach you think it's accidental that USC put out these pictures today and put out this tweet today announcing their new performance center and then Mark Harlan puts out this tweet talking about being extremely honored humble and grateful come on and we we have elite students coaches and staff supported by a passionate community and they share a vision succeeding in all we do with tremendous integrity? Read the tea leaves here, guys. Come on. I, I, I don't think this is a stretch at all. Yeah. This is not a stretch at all. Yeah. Mark Harlan's in for the long haul with the Pac-12. Yeah. And I'm guessing he's in for the long haul because that's where Taylor Randall is, as we've reported exclusively on this show. Yeah. So do you think it's accidental that people high up the food chain at Utah have told us, hey, it's no disrespect to the Big 12, but we really like where we're at. And we like the people we're in business with. And we like the academic money that we're, we're, we're dealing with. And we worry if we go to the Big 12 that we're going to take a significant hit in, in our educational revenue streams. Okay. Understand the thought process. They're all in, dude. Yeah. They're all in on the Pac-12. And I say, hey, more power to you because you're probably one of the few. Yeah. So 
I think it is admirable, respectful. I think it's unbelievable what Mark Harlan did today. Yeah. This dude walked away from USC. A significant money. A a significant pay raise. Come on. Without question. They've got far deeper pockets and far larger Brinks trucks in, in, in Los Angeles than they do up in Salt Lake City. And by the way, it's Los Angeles. Come on now. I mean, I, this is not a stretch at all. And I, I, I'm sorry if that upsets you. But it's U.S. mother C, man. Yeah. What's up, big bro? You don't walk away from that. Nobody walks away from that job. Come on now. Sebasta, what's up, my guy? Says, yeah, USC talent like Lori Laughlin's kids. See what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, she's an unbelievable. <laughs> she's an unbelievable well rower. Well done. R- rower, you know. Uh, Patrick Bourne, Colorado says, quote, hey, Mark, love your integrity. We take in the lifeboat. See ya. <laughs> well, and that's a possibility. It is. It is. Uh, Kurt Peters, Harlan knows Pack will either get a deal or Utah will be in the Big 12. Not sure where the vote of confidence is. Oh, I don't think Mark Harlan is thinking about the Big 12 at all. I, I really don't. I, I, I think, and I'm not, you know, I can sit, I, I feel like I sit here every single day and defend this conference. You know, like I, I don't, I feel like I sit here and defend the Pac-12 every single day. Mm-hmm. I don't think it needs me to defend it. I think when you look at the Pac-12, you're a power group of business owners who made huge mistakes with with Commissioner, I even hate to say the guy's name. Larry mm-hmm. Scott was an abject failure. Mm-hmm. By the way, Ray Anderson, speaking of Ray Anderson's stupidity, who empowered Larry Scott? Oh, that'd be Michael Crow, his president. I mean, ASU roundly supported Larry. So come on now. Yeah. Uh, Big Bad Brass Ball says, don't make it personal. Who's making it personal? I think you're wrong. So what? You could be. I'm absolutely not wrong. The difference is, and we've gone through this on the show with all due respect. I've had the conversation. I've been chewed out by people at Utah over this. Yeah. Trust me. And the reason I, I made it personal with you is that last comment is you making it personal. When you want to roll in here with something like, are you kidding me? And this is a swing and a miss. You have no idea what you're talking about, dude. And I, I, I respect I'm, you. Listen, I get it. But you're welcome to your opinion. I, 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 you want to, you, sometimes guys get into this thing where you want to be right and everybody else is, I, is wrong. I, that's not the currency we trade in here. We tell you who we talk to and what we know. And if you want to argue it, go ahead and argue it. But when you, I, I would agree, when you say stuff like, are you kidding me? This is a huge stretch. It's not a stretch, even a little bit, not even remotely if a you stretch. Wanna, if you want to come in here and say something like, hey, you guys are talking about the ACC and UNC and Virginia. Are you kidding me? Okay. We don't live there. We don't, I don't know people. We don't know people at UNC or Virginia. Okay, great, dude. Maybe you're right and we're wrong. But you're not going to come in here and say something like, are you kidding me? When we live in this state... We know people at that university, and we talk to people at that university on a weekly basis. So don't come in here and complain that I'm making it personal after you made it personal. That's the difference on this show. You're not getting a free pass when you come in that way. Now, if you want to say something like, hey, you know, 
respectfully, you know, I kind of disagree with you guys. Like, I think, you know, I, I, I don't think that this is a vote of confidence. I, you know, and give your take. Okay, cool. I'm cool. good with that. We can have that conversation. But you, you, you do things like Monty talkers are likely very wrong, indicating Harlan staying at AD at Utah means the pack is saved. Who said, who the, said pack the pack was saved? Is saved? Nobody who said, said the pack that. Was who saved? said the pack was saved? See, like this is this is what this is what happens on a on a regular basis. Like, and it's Pac-12 fans and Big 12 fans who you guys just it's politics to you. You can't have like diverging opinions, which drives me crazy. Nobody said that this indicates the Pac-12 was saved. I have no idea what show you got that from, but that clearly was not us. What did we say? Yeah. We said, hey, if you're going to sign an extension in a conference that has a pretty grim TV distribution deal outlook right now, that's a vote of confidence in that grim outlook. That's what it is. That's yeah. what we said. Nobody said that the pack is saved or no. that Jesus Christ rolled up. Like Nobody said that, man. That's yeah, I don't know where you're said. getting that. Um, let's see, is a vote of confidence in University of Utah, they know if the Pac-12 burns down, they will land somewhere? I think that's probably, that, that's absolutely. That's a fair take. Could be the truth. Yeah. I think when you look yep. at, when you look at Mark Harlan, and you look at the fact that you, you just don't, this is like somebody turning down the athletic director at Oklahoma. You know, when you, or Alabama or Georgia or the, the best athletic programs in the country. I mean, pick your. It's Kalani not going to Washington and staying at BYU. Like you, it's unheard of. Like you don't, you, when you're offered the job as athletic director at USC. Yeah. You don't turn that down. They can have their pick of people. Like you don't turn, they hired, they hired. And now he's turned into a disgrace, Bone has. But you hired a guy who did unprecedented things at Cincinnati. Turned out to be a terrible human being. Yeah, seriously. But that guy's not staying at Cincinnati to, to pass on SC. Like, you just don't do that. On to Cincinnati. You know, like, to me, I think it's, it is, I think it's crazy that Harlan turned that job down. Mm -hmm. Like, just on the, if you were advising Mark Harlan at Utah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't turn that just down. Just a career arc alone. Yeah, you, you absolutely I mean, would not do that. Take all the feelings out of it. If you just said to somebody who, who, who was at a P5 in any conference in the country, and you said, hey, we're, and take the USC nameplate off of it, because these are the facts. Hey, we are, we're a, we're a national championship contending football team right now. Say less. Say less. I don't care what basketball is doing. Don't care what baseball is doing. Don't care what the rowing team is doing. And definitely don't care what any other sport is doing. If your football team is national championship game good, and you're someone looking at taking the athletic director job over that football team, all you have to do is make sure the other sports are just reasonable. They don't have to go to super regionals That's like right. the Utah softball team did. They don't have to, you know, go deep into a tournament like the basketball, the women's basketball team did. They don't have to go out and do, and win insane things like the Red Rocks did, but they but yet they did at Utah. And that's why I'm saying, man, this is like if you think that this is not a vote of confidence 
in in the Pac-12 and and obviously in Utah. I just don't know what world you live in, man. Yeah, I, I, it, it's a job that everybody, comments. every every athletic administrator in the country would take that job. Every one of them. Apparently, not everyone, <laughs> right? I and mean, I don't even disagree with the Brandon Butler man. take. Hey, maybe maybe he took the job because there's a lot of security. In in hey, if the Pac-12 yeah. thing doesn't work out, we'll go to the big. But again, that just kind of makes my point. It's a vote of confidence in at a minimum Utah situation. There's yep. no getting around that. Yep. Uh, Immaculate says, wasn't it just like a matter of days ago that watching this show would see these two saying that going to the Big 12 was inevitable? Well, no, I don't think we've ever because I still maintain, I still maintain. I don't think a single one of these schools wants to leave the conference. And I'll just keep saying that. I don't think a single one of, uh, of these 10 remaining members in the Pac-12 wants to leave the conference because any of them could have already. Mm -hmm. Any of them could have made the announcement, hey, a year from now, we're going to the Big 12. V very easily and without much distress, and really nobody would be surprised. If Colorado had already announced it, who would be surprised? Nobody would have been surprised. If Arizona had joined them, if Arizona State had joined them, if Oregon State had joined them, it, nobody would be surprised. Yeah. They know the TV number. They know the best offer in years and cash that they have, and they're still there. They know what George Klyovkov is attempting to do, and they're still there. Because they don't want to go. So is it? have we ever said on this show that it's, it's, it's inevitable? No, I don't believe we have. No. Do I think... Members of this conference will leave. I'm not convinced of that. Depends I'm not convinced of that. Depends on the number, dude. I, I, I don't. I just don't think they want to. If they, because again, the, 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 the truths are what people don't want to deal in in situations like this. When you look at the Pac-12 TV situation, bro, it is June 15th. They know the number. They know the offer. It's June 15th. If they wanted to go, they could have gone. Hey, it's June 15th. You're already making plans. Schedules are coming out for 2024. Yeah. They 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 already know the plans. Yeah. Man, like they know these these are high high highly intelligent people. These are not these are not people that are, you know, not qualified for their their gigs. Again, I would just point you to President Kosse at Washington. I would point you to Taylor Randall at Utah or President Robbins at Arizona. Experienced leaders, experienced administrators that are very good at their jobs. Every one of them has talked to the Big 12. Every one of them knows their options. Every single one of them. So why on earth, if they wanted to go, would they not have gone already? Because they don't want to go. I think every one of these schools is in a position where they are saying, hey, we're going to wait as long as we can because there's no rush. Because if I want to go to the Big 12, I can pick up the phone today, tomorrow, or a month from tomorrow and make it happen. There's, there's no rush. Is there a, a door that's slowly closing? There's not. So why would they leap singularly? Why would they go on their own, A, and B, why would they move before they have to? Yeah. Is it costing them money to stay? It's not. Are they going to lose money in the long term if they, if they wait a month? They're not. Like there's, there's nothing pressuring anybody in this Pac-12 conference, the 10 remaining teams. There's nothing 
that is saying, hey, you got to go now. Got to go now. You got to go. There's no deadline. There's no grant of rights where it's like San Diego State, which again, San Diego State's a really good example here. San Diego State's the only one really in this whole conversation. San Diego State's really the only one that's like, damn, dude. I've got, they've got officially 15 days to make a, a $17 million decision. Because on July 1st, their exit fee from the, the Mountain West Conference doubles. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. They go from $17 million to $34 million in an exit fee on July 1st. They're the only ones with a, with a real leverage situation on their hands. Everybody else has no financial penalty for leaving in a year from now. So why would they? So this idea that we're talking about saying that going to the Big 12 is inevitable, no. Uh, Patrick Bourne says, Monty, you're not defending the pack. You're defending Mark Harlan. And I don't even think there's that much to defend. The guy is by far the best athletic director in the Pac-12. And and I think I could make an argument he's probably top 10 in the country. Yeah, He's that good at what he's done. Oh, he's that good at what he's done. There, there There is no question about that. No doubt about it. I think he has really he has really done some incredible things. Bryce Martin, did Harlan even interview or did he text back saying, yeah, I don't know. I mean. It's a very interesting point. That is a very interesting point. Uh, Patrick Bourne says, is it a stretch to think that this is a vote of confidence for the pack? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Because I think if, and again, I, I look at this, this, I look at Mark Harlan in USC, the very same I look at Colorado. Dude, if the conference was burning to the ground and the world was coming to an end, Colorado and half of this conference would be gone already. But it's not. And Mark Harlan is very much in the same situation. Do you really believe if the Pac-12 was disintegrating and Taylor Randall, who is in touch with this conference more than just about any other president, Mm -hmm. he would know that. Do you think Mark Harlan would be like, yeah, I'm staying at Utah. Yeah, I'm going to pass on SC. No. He wouldn't. And by the way, for all the people making the case, and it's a reasonable case, I don't think it's a bad take. No. uh, Well, he's just invested. He's invested in Utah because you know if the pack burns, they'll go to the Big Twelve, and that's why you're saying, hey, it's it's a stretch to say he's it's a vote of confidence for the TV deal situation. The reason I don't think that that even matters is because it. The reason it's a vote of confidence in the TV deal situation is because he's basically saying, hey, I'm not interested in the Big Ten. I'm not interested in $100 million a year, right? Because that's essentially, like, whether he likes it or not, you're basically saying that. I mean, again, it's more about Carol, Carol, in my opinion, in USC, but by extension, because they're going to the big, you're saying that. Whether we want, like, that's just the reality of the situation. So that's why I say, like, like you, there are some times in life when you say no to something, you, you don't you, you don't get to just conveniently skip over the $100 million part. Correct. Right? So, like, Yes, it's more about Carol and more about the SC call and more about the fact that they stabbed the pack in the back. Absolutely. But yeah, you're not I, getting away from the Big Ten portion. Yeah, I think it's a fascinating conversation. I do. I, I, think, I think the bravado of Big 12 fans right now, the arrogance of Pac-12 fans right now, I, I think it's a fascinating discussion because... From both perspectives, I mean, I I get why if you're in the Big 12, I totally understand why you would be in a position of power and leverage because you are. You're in, you're in, you have the money. They, the Pac-12 does not. The thing that kills me about Pac-12 fans 
is this idea that it's some step down to the Big 12. Because mm-hmm. I got news for you, it's not a step down. It is not in any way, shape, or form from the Pac-12 to the Big 12 is not in any way, shape, or form a step down. And, and the thing that I think has hurt the Pac-12 so much is this just unbelievably malodorous arrogance from administrators, from guys like Ray Anderson, the athletic director at Arizona State, which I think is permeated down to fans, which mm-hmm. it it's incredible to me that even this idea that your favorite Pac-12 school, oh, they will never talk to anybody in the Big 12. That never happened. Nobody. Every president pretty much is on the record. Hey, yeah, we spoke to the Big 12. Keep it real. Hey, yeah, we spoke to the Big 10. And the thing that is so crazy is you're pissed off your favorite school spoke to the Big 12 or the Big 10. That's their fiduciary responsibility, man. They have to do that. They have to do that. Because I still maintain as much as these 10 folks don't want to leave the conference, do you know how difficult it is going to be to get a grant of rights in the Pac-12? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, it, I think it is going to be very... You want to talk about percentages? The idea that you're going to get these 10 people to do anything other than eat themselves alive in a pit fight, I think uh, it's going to be tough. (coughs) And (coughs) I think it's going to be, the the real question is, are you going to be able to get a grant of rights in the Pac-12? And my answer is probably no. Yeah. I I don't believe that you will. Uh, Ryan Thomas gives us $2 to say, Harlan knows you of you will be fine in the money at the Pac or the Big 12. And I don't even disagree with that. I look, think that's look, probably I, true. I, I, for all those, for all you guys rolling that out there, that's cool. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. But, but I, I just think that in life, if you're going to, if you're going to commit to something, you're saying, okay, we're good. We're, we're, we're good in the pack. I'm, I'm good here. Like I'm fine. And, and yeah, I do think it, it, if you want to, if you're the guy saying right now, oh, this is a stretch, and your guys' take is garbage, well, then that's your opinion. But but if you're going to commit to a contract in a in a conference with a with frankly an embarrassing TV deal situation right now that's been going on way too long, like you're 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 saying, okay, yeah, I think this is going to work out okay. How else do you explain? Like, not to be redundant, how else do you explain that this guy walked away from USC? How do you, 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 this guy walked away from premier facilities. I mean, absolutely walked away from premier facilities in a brand new, brand new financial, massive financial commitment by USC today. I I don't know how else you explain it. And I, and no one's saying the PAC 12 is saved. Stop running it out there. We didn't say that. I, I just don't care. Like, you know what, dude? I, I, it doesn't matter. Nobody knows if the Pac-12 is saved. Who cares? Yeah. If you like, opinions are are not worth the breath that they ride on. I, you have to understand the dynamic at play in this conference is: can they get a grant of rights? Is the TV deal, which is the, and this goes back to Consano's bullshit last week. Everybody agreed to a, a grant of rights months ago. I just held on to the story. There's no grant of rights agreed to in, in the Pac-12 in any way, shape, or form. 
There, there's not. Have they talked and tried? They have. Which is very different than they're done with it because they're not. They're not done with it. And I, you know, the other thing that I will say is I, everybody's asking, I see all the comments about what's going on in Colorado on Monday. Have no idea. Have no idea. Let's, let's see the final draft of the minutes. Let's see the final draft of the agenda. And did they talk about exactly what was on the agenda in detail? Then we'll know. Mm -hmm. Then we'll have some idea. John Teal. We don't see going to the Big 12 as a step down. It's the knowledge that their fans are going to view us like they took our manhood in the shower. Well. But whose fault is that? If you're a Pac-12 fan, if you are a Pac-12 fan, whose fault is it that if you wind, if your favorite university winds up in the Big 12, that you're going to get smacked for it? It's your own fault. Yeah. Because you've disrespected and... The thing that I, I, I struggle with is it'd be different if the Pac-12 was routinely putting people in the college football playoff, routinely putting people in the NCAA tournament, Final Four, Elite Eight, Sweet 16, like every year, no problem. Yep, done. Right. But you're not. You're not. And your two premier programs in USC and your premier basketball program at UCLA just walked out the door. And you're still talking shit. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, what, what is it that that arrogance is fed by? It's fed by fear. It's fed by fear. I think Pac-12 fans have real and legitimate fear that their conference is going to break down. And Thanks. I think you should be scared. Because I think there's a real chance this could be eight, six to eight teams. Yeah. I think that is a distinct possibility. I think if we're really being honest, if you lose one team, I think you could lose six teams in the worst case scenario. And really, if we're being honest, in the worst case scenario, you could lose nine of these 10 teams because I don't know where Washington State ends up. But you should be scared. You should be worried because you're not in a sound financial position such as and like the Big 12. Yeah who's probably in the next several years going to start writing 60 to $60 million checks. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. To their membership. And they're not rebating Comcast because you can't count money. Like, you, you should absolutely be scared about that. There's no doubt. Truck Stop Gumby, USC, University of Scandals and Corruption. And yet here we are. <laughs> Pay for play. I don't even disagree with you, bro. But Basketball <laughs> envelopes on street corners. Yeah. And yet, here, here we, are. we are. Reggie Bush, cars and houses, and yet, here we are. And they're, they're, it would be stunning if they didn't go to the college football playoff. Yeah. It'd be stunning. And yet, here we are. Yep. It's just, it's crazy to me. It's crazy. Andrew said, earlier you said Mark Harlan, quote, isn't thinking about the Pac-12 or the Big 12 at all, but then said it's their fiduciary responsibility to think about those things. That's not what I said. What I said was, I don't believe that Mark Harlan is like, oh yeah, we're gonna we're going to the Big Twelve, so I don't want big. I don't think, I think Mark Harlan's decision was, I'm not selling out to USC. I'm not I'm not getting in bed with the university that gutted this conference. I am not doing that. And as far as fiduciary responsibility goes, that'd be Taylor Randall's fiduciary responsibility, the president of the university. 
His job is to explore all options. Yeah. That's his job. And it is important to understand the difference between president and AD because it's it a is. very different thing in a very different role. Ray Anderson at Arizona State. Yeah. Talking about how he's never thought about another conference. Yeah. Yet, President Crow at Arizona State has said he's talked to the Big 12. But you've never thought, like, and Ray Anderson's a, a terrible yeah. administrator. And we're not the only ones saying that. I mean, I, I eat. The worst, you want Mark Harlan's the best in the Pac 12. Ray Anderson is the worst athletic director in the, the Pac 12. Like, embarrassingly bad. Yeah. Can't even, can't even figure it out. Bryce Martin says, now I'm wondering if talking to the Big 12 was a leverage play. Absolutely See? could have been. Another angle. Absolutely Another could angle, have been. Bro. Will my balls itch? Finally. Where have you been, dude? USC has so many scandals. Why would he want to leave a cushy job for that? Again, another fair question. See that? See that's what I'm saying. There's everything there's with integrity, to this, dude. Extreme. I, what did he say? In extreme integrity. Or Mark like, Harlan today said to Will Mabalsich's point: um, succeeding in all we do with tremendous integrity. Yeah. But now, by the way, all the scandals at USC outside of the pay for play. Like the, hey, put my daughter on the rowing team, even though she's never been in a water outside of a swimming pool or a bathtub. Um, the Pete Carroll scandals, the, again, envelopes on street corners mm -hmm. in basketball, all that goes away now. So NIL makes, makes all of that surprisingly easy to forget. You know, yeah, water off a duck's back. Like, yeah. no problem, man. Yeah. No problem. Um, yeah, I don't know. By the way, speaking of which, let's come back and talk about the top 100 players in the NFL. And if you are a high school football player and you want to go to the NFL, where is the one school you are going to go to? Because when you see the top 100, it is not even close That'd be like going somewhere else for a calzone other than Papa Murphy's. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do calzones. Papa Murphy's does calzones? Oh, I think you mean I do the calzones. And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Oh. Well, we do it with fresh ingredients and hand-shredded cheese tucked in a scratch-made dough. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. Hey, don't forget the calzones. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza, the official pizza of the Monty Show. Make sure you download the Papa Murphy's app. Uh, use the promo code Monty25 to get 25% off your purchase at $25 or more. And the calzones are everything that you would hope they would be. Telling you, man, order them at 6 a.m. for 4 p.m. pickup. Put them in the oven. Pour the meatball marinara on top of them. And I'm telling you. You are living quite well. Thank you very much. Here on the Monty Show, this hour of the show, as always, is presented by our good friends at Bucked Up Energy. Whew, Jake, I think we're in need. Well, you know, because I, I know that our takes are terrible now and that, you know, we're, you know, we're getting smacked in the comments and the show is, you know, just awful. But, you know, to all 550 of you and to certain individuals on Twitter who are watching... Here's to a bucked up. How about that? There you go. Buckshot. By the way, don't forget at buckedup.com uh, that there is absolutely a massive sale. The best sales day of the year right now going on at buckedup.com. Promo code 45 off all day long. 
45% off everything at buckedup.com. All you have to do is use the promo code 45OFF. I saved $211 today. I bought 10 boxes of Buckshot. Go. I got collagen peptides. We got BCAs. I'm telling you, it is the sale day of the year at Bucked Up. Bucked Up Energy, the official uh, energy provider of the Monty Show. You guys, it is it has absolutely been a revelation um, to use Bucked Up for performance versus, you know, just, hey, I need an energy drink. I'm dragging. To use it to be a better golfer, to use it to be a better weight trainer in the in the in the gym. Their pre-workout is by far the best pre-workout. If you need to be electroshock therapied out of bed, they've got that too. Hey, you just need a little pinch on the on the uh, you know, the love handles, they've got that too. I'm telling you, it's amazing. The collagen peptides, the greens, use them every single day. Get them 45% off today at buckedup.com. One day sale, 45% off. Use promo code 45 off. If you're just tuning into the show, uh, we are talking about um, this idea that Mark Harlan, the athletic director at Utah, today turned down the opportunity to be the athletic director at USC and signed a contract extension at Utah and tweeted today extremely honored, humble, and grateful to the Taylor Randall, president of U of U and the board of trustees who share a vision of succeeding in all we do with tremendous integrity. We have elite students, coaches, and staff supported by a passionate community. This is our home, and we are just getting started. Mm-hmm. To which USC tweeted a massive investment in facilities, a new performance center is coming. It includes three levels of dedicated uh, dedicated to team operations, as well as a rooftop hospitality deck, a player lounge, as well as second full-length practice fields. The new complex will feature student-athlete-centric spaces, new locker room, multiple player lounges, recovery hubs, and on and on and on. Our new home will feature a team auditorium, Position meeting rooms, recruiting areas, staff offices, flexible spaces for future growth. And this place looks like a pimp pad. Like you look at the the expansion and it's clearly pointed at USC football. And you look at the upgrade to campus and you look at the fact that this, this thing is going to be unbelievable. All this does is further the reach of USC football and further the reach of USC as an absolute brand, a power brand in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible, incredible investment in their future. Absolutely. And I say kudos to to Mark Harlan, the athletic director at at Utah, because I think this took a lot of courage. I think it took uh, quite a bit of, um, you know, I think it took quite a bit of, of, I would have to think thought and reflection to walk away from that kind of gig. I, I yeah. just think it's, you know, I think it is. Well, I think there's a lot of pride in what you've done at Utah as well. You Dude, know, just on a, just as a person, like I, you know, I can totally relate. 
and empathize yeah. with the idea of like, hey, like we've done a lot of great things at Utah, and you absolutely have. I, I mean, you know, obviously with football, you know, again, I know we've mentioned a couple times on the show today, you know, <laughs> the softball program, um, you know, Red Rocks, ladies basketball, like all these different programs, you know, are having huge success. And if you're Mark Harlan, you feel like, hey, like, you know, I, 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 I'm in the process of building something great here. Now, obviously, I've been a loud critic of the men's basketball program. Yes, you have. Because I think that men's basketball can no longer be an afterthought, especially, you know, and this is for all you people out there who feel like he believes in the reliability of the Big 12 option. If you truly are cool with going to the Big 12, if the Pac-12 thing doesn't work out, your basketball program has got to get better. Yeah, I mean, it's inexcusable how bad they are in men's basketball. So to me, if I'm Mark Carlin, just at a minimum, I think it's safe to say that you take a lot of pride in what you've done at Utah oh, so far. Yeah. I think it is. It's just spectacular to me. And I, to walk away from a gig like that, and we, we talk about this on the show all the time when guys get contracts and gigs and jobs. Like, you're talking about, you're talking about a dream job at USC. I mean, it is, it, it is a, it's a great gig. It's Alabama. Yeah. It is, it's, it's Ohio State. I mean, it is the icons of college football. And Mark Harlan walked away from it. Yep. Um, and then you have the top 100 players. The top 100 NFL players today uh, as put out by Pete Prisco. And one of the interesting questions is, well, where do, where do great players go? to play college football, to get to the NFL. Well, obviously, Patrick Mahomes went through Texas Tech. Number two, Josh Allen, small school guy. Dakotas, right? Joe Burrow went to LSU. So the list goes on and on. But look at a guy and, like Joe Burrow. Not to cut you off. Joe Burrow was a, was a wash-up at Ohio State before LSU. You think about that. Transfer well, I, don't, I don't know that I would call him a wash-up. I think he is that Urban Meyer victim. He's that guy who just was never going to – he was never your guy. Mm -hmm. Because the minute he took the ball at LSU, it was ball unquestioned. Game. Yeah. But I think it's very interesting when you look at the way the top 100 players break down. Mm -hmm. Alabama leads the list with nine. Patrick, oh, Patrick Sertain, Quinnen Williams – who's Quinton Williams is ranked 28th on that list. Sertain's 19. Derrick Henry at 30. Ohio State is second with seven. Nick Bosa at number four. Nick Bosa's number four in the NFL. Joey Bosa, number 61. Garrett Wilson, 63rd. Justin Fields, 78. Justin Fields in the top 100 players. Uh, Clemson with six, right? Oklahoma with five. LSU with five, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and of course, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Right? Florida State. Like, I, I, I go out of my way to make this point because I think when you look at where do, if I said to you, hey, you're, you're a five, a four star, you're like, you're a kid that's out there that can write his own ticket in college football. Your goal is to play in the NFL. And let's say, let's start with a quarterback. You're a quarterback. Where are you going to go? Uh, Alabama. Uh, you're a linebacker. Where are you going to go? Alabama. Right? Like, if I'm a top recruit, and I'm at the top of my skill position, 
And I think skill position, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, DB, linebacker, mm-hmm. like the core performers, right? If I'm going to go play in the NFL, I'm, I'm likely going to an SEC school. And if I can get to Alabama, I'm going because they routinely put guys in the NFL and at the top of the draft, right? I mean, Bryce Young, best quarterback in college football. Yeah. I, I mean, and I think you look at how many points was he away from playing in the college football playoff last year? Brian Kelly's balls kept him out. Yeah, right? pretty when he, much. When he goes for it. But I think it's Alabama. Now, obviously, you can look at LSU. You can look at Ohio State. But it's this argument that we had, what, probably a month ago now about the SEC and playing nine games and why that's important. Because you're the SEC. You're the best college football conference in the country. Yeah. You're the best college football conference in the country. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think it's arguable. So, Jake, if I said to you, you could write your ticket in college athletics, what school would you go to if you wanted to be an NFL football player? Yeah, I mean, it's the SEC and it's Alabama. I I think Georgia's right there next in line. And then I think it's LSU. You know, those are the three that, that that I look at and I say, hey, there's, you know, you got a lot of guys in the league from those schools. I do think Ohio State... Uh, deserves some credit from a quarterback standpoint. Uh, I, I think, you know, a little bit of running back, but mostly quarterback. I think, you know, I, I look around uh, I, I look around the country, uh, and I don't think it, it gets a much more gray area. The water gets more murky as far as, hey, like, this guy went, you know, somewhere in the pack and got to the league. Or like, you know, hey, if you're a quarterback, go to SC, right? And that doesn't mean you'll be good in the league, but you'll get to the league. You know, like they have a laundry list of guys, you know, the Sam Darnolds, Mark Sanchez, like you've got a laundry list of dudes from SC or in the league. Um, I think some of the best linebackers have come out of S or have come out of SC who are in the league. So I think you have options, but if you want to book it, if you're that four or five star recruit that, that is a no doubt about an NFL prospect right out of the gate, you're going, you're going to Alabama. If you can, you want to be under Nick Saban, and if he can't get under Nick Saban, I would think you'd want to be under Kirby. But, you know, Ryan Day is not a bad option. Um, you know, I, I, I guess LSU's okay. Brian Kelly's okay. But, yeah, Nick Saban's the way, in my opinion. Yeah, I think, and some of it is positional, right? I mean, if you're at Modern Day High School in Orange County, California, you're going to SC. Yeah. But, man, I think, I think this list... And again, you can look at Notre Dame with three, Georgia with three. I mean, if you want to go to the NFL and you have an offer from Alabama and you have an offer from Georgia. You're going to Alabama. You're going to Alabama. No doubt about it. Right? If if you want to go, if you want to go to the NFL and you have an offer from Texas and you have an offer from Oklahoma, you're going to Oklahoma. Because Oklahoma puts more dudes in the NFL. Especially if you're a quarterback. Right? Like it's amazing to me the ability of certain universities to put guys in into the NFL. And I think, and I know we've talked about this on the show as well, I think when you look at the, the scumbags that run like recruiting services and you look at the, the guys who are like, oh yeah, I can deliver your tape to, I think that's to me one of the problems in high school football is you're, well, I'm a four-star. Well, I can get you a four-star I think what you have to do now, and I think a lot of kids are doing it because of the training academies, mm-hmm. because of the, the elite level coaching, 
the the John Becks of the world, the quarterback gurus, the Tom House people, yeah, the Elite 11s. Like you're making, in my opinion, you're making choices. And if you're truly that good and you're identified, you know, your seventh, eighth grade, freshman, sophomore, when you're identified, I think anymore, you got to put your foot on the gas. You got to train your body. You have to become a professional athlete in high school. Because that's the only way, in my opinion, that you can put yourself in position in Alabama or Ohio State or, you know, yes. pick your poison. Yep. I just think it's the way that we put these kids in college has completely changed. And I don't think it's for the better. Yeah. I truly do not think it's for the better. And it's because these, these kids have become like, it, it's become a meat market. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, that to me is very difficult. Tanner Plummer says, Kirby Smart in Georgia is the class of the SEC right now. Yeah. Numbers I mean, might say that, but I think if you're a kid and you're looking for your path, like it, it's hard to turn down Nick Saban, dude. Like, I mean, well, hey, and that's my opinion. Maybe disagree. But when you've had ten off-field incidents related to cars, yeah, that's a problem at Georgia. Did you guys see that story? Like, and I think some of this is they are becoming the victim of their own significant success. Mm -hmm. There, are, it is very difficult to control high-level athletes in college. In their downtime. It is very difficult to control them. If you're Kirby Smart or any other coach in this country, yeah, I don't care who you are. And now with NIL and Transfer Portal, I think it's even more difficult. Mm -hmm. In God's name, Dude. image, and likeness. Yeah, Dabo. Like, I mean, you're talking about 10 guys at Georgia. Yeah, that's trouble, bro. 10 guys driving-related incidents. Yeah. And you look at this Carter situation. You look at the, how many Georgia players were involved in that situation. I don't think we'll ever know. But that situation alone, I think that put a lot more spotlight. When somebody dies, when you have a massive scandal and he's driving the most powerful SUV. And, I mean, he was driving a Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk. Yeah. Which is just a power plant. Like, that thing is just meant to go fast. And you, a staffer dies, and I mean, it's just a terrible situation. But what does that do? It puts a spotlight on your program. Ten situations. That's crazy to me. Uh, all right, I, I want to get a couple of super chats in here as well. I appreciate you guys. Um, thank you very much uh, to Rowdy Every Point, who gives us five dollars to say, if you're a Pac-12 commissioner and after expansion you left with Utah, you are left with Utah, Stanford, Cal, Washington, Oregon State. What would you do to save the conference? Oh, jeez. Um, I mean, that's a tough situation, one. I mean, because yeah. I don't think you can be left with that group. I, I don't think Stanford, Cal are going to be there. Uh, I truly don't. Um, I don't think if the conference disintegrates, I think Utah will leave. I do. Oregon State's very interesting because we've told you repeatedly that that's the one school that everybody we talk to pretty much is like, hey, I keep an eye on Oregon State. Hey, keep an eye on Oregon State. Like, you look at the money they've invested in athletics at Oregon State, and you look at their facilities, you look at where the football program is. Now we'll see if DJ Uyunglele can perform. Was that a Dabo problem? Does Corvallis fix all that? We'll see. I don't know what group is going to go, but I think you're not going to get Colorado just leaving. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think that's how it will go down. And again, this is my opinion based on people I've talked to. I think Colorado will go with somebody. Is that Arizona? 
Does the Board of Regents really make it difficult for Arizona and Arizona State to move separately? I think they will. I think they will. And what does Arizona State have left in the Pac-12 if Arizona leaves? Because I think you got to consider that as well. Arizona is such an important part of Arizona State's ability to maneuver in the Pac-12. Like they really need Arizona. And not even as like big brother. Arizona Arizona State needs Arizona as, hey, we're in lockstep. We're together. We're operating together. And I think if you have Arizona in the Big 12 and Arizona State in the Pac-12, I think it, it cripples Arizona State. And I know Arizona State knows that. I know they do. And I, I happen to know that they've been told that. That, you, hey, you are not the behemoth you think you are. Mm-hmm. And I think it's why Ray Anderson came out and said, hey, yeah, we're, we're, we understand who we are. We're, we're, we're at best a top 15 team. Your athletic director said that. We're at best a top 15 team. And then three minutes later said, well, you know, look at what Bobby Hurley did. I mean, he lost every kid on his basketball roster to the portal, but one. We don't love this system, but that's what it is. You lost every player on your basketball <coughs> roster but one, and you think that's a problem with the transfer portal? I would tell you that's the result of the problem in your basketball program. Yeah, and that's why right? the Arizona like, State Athletic Program is a problem. Yeah, and you look at the Herm scandal, all of that, all of that. You haven't recovered from that yet, yet Sean Miller is a distant memory in Tucson. Yep. I think through that. Arizona's the power player there. It's not Arizona State. Well, and I think, you know, that's a problem in the bigger picture for the pack as a conference as well. I, yes. I mean, you have these different brands yeah. that operate at such different levels that, you know, you don't have continuity through the conference. And I, and I think that's one advantage that, you know, certainly the Big 12 has, uh, obviously the F- SEC and the Big 10, I would say. You know, the ACC uh, feels a little broken, feels a little scattered right now. Feels it does. Like, you know, they're, it very much does. You know, they're trying to make some moves. So, so I say with the pack, it's tough because you, you you don't have, it's not like from top to bottom, you're all in the same place. I mean, I, I, I truly, and, and again, just my opinion, right? Not, not, I haven't been told this, but my opinion is I do think Colorado wants to leave. That's my opinion though. I think they feel like, hey, we're a phenomenal fit for so many reasons in the Big 12 and we just don't like where we're, where we're at as an afterthought in the Pac-12. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's very interesting. I, re- I think it is very, very interesting to see exactly, and I think that's a great point, man. I, I think it's really interesting to see exactly, Rowdy, where everybody ends up. Yeah. Um, because I still maintain the percentage has to be in favor of the Pac-12 staying together because we've seen nothing to indicate that for certain they're going to break up. Mm. Nothing. Because I think, again, it's June 15th. If they were going to, if you were going to have a mass exodus, I think it would have happened already. But they they have the time and the space. Yeah, they have the time and the space to do what they want. Hey, look, Greg Swaim is thirsty. Look at that. No ASU or Utah. The Big Twelve already has the top programs in the two states. Thanks for exposing yourself as having no idea what you're talking about, Greg. As you see, Greg's that guy. Greg's that guy who is no. I'm not even going to justify my guy. I mean, hey man. Wait, what, what did he say? He said that no no ASU or Utah, the Big 12 already has the top programs in the two states. Uh, you, you don't have the top program in Arizona, and you don't have the top program in, in Utah. But, hey, not knowing the lay of the land is exactly who you are, dude. Right? Like, that's exactly who you are, man. Yeah. It's, um, it's awesome to me that Greg Swaim tweets about us, watches the show, comments on the show now. 
like takes our information, uses it on his show. So Greg Swaim's the type of dude who has multiple Twitter accounts Mm -hmm. and is tweeting insults at me from another account. So I said to him, hey, good job tweeting at me from your other account. And he blocked me on Twitter so that, you know, he thinks other people can't see that. Yeah. That's awesome. To which I say, hey, man. Hey, by the way, Greg, I appreciate you, bro. Thanks yeah, for thanks for being here, dude. The show, man. I appreciate that. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I mean. What do you mean that the big, the big 12, this is this cat. The big 12 has the biggest school in Arizona. I, I'm not sure who you're referencing, dude. The guy, that's amazing to me. Yeah. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Um, let's see. DSW says, uh, Greg Swaim, not sure what friends they are bashing. And, if, and if, if it's true, still no need to bash back. Better ways to diss them, like by not watching or commenting on their show. He doesn't understand how technology works. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. Clint Mose says, no idea. Like, what do you mean they have the biggest school yeah. in, in Utah and they have the biggest school in Arizona? Yeah. Because the Big 12 does not. Immaculate says, is that the real Greg Swaim? Oh, I'm certain it is. I'm certain it is. The guy has begged to come on our show for, I don't know how long. Like forever. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, the Big 12 doesn't even have a school in Arizona. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Uh, Jeremy Callahan says, hail Harlan. Hey man, I think Mark Harlan, incredible. You know what I find interesting about college football versus other sports? People get real pissy about college football real quick. And I've never understood that. Like I, I look at like just sitting here while, you know, Greg makes a fool of himself. I was pondering and reflecting on the idea of like, why is it so hard to understand that? This concept of, hey, the Pac-12 and their member institutions don't necessarily want to leave. Like, they like their educational relationships. They don't necessarily want to leave. But they that, will if they have to. That pisses people off Why so much. Why does that upset so many people? No idea. You know, I, I think about another take that's been widely accepted in the media. Like, why, like, we're not the only ones saying it. I do feel like we originated it, but that's just my opinion. Like, why is it so controversial to say, yeah, you know, the Big 12 is not a step down for the PAC or any of its member institutions. It's not. It's it's equal. In fact, financially, it's running circles around you. Uh, Educationally is the only place where, yeah, you're stepping down a touch. Like, you know, I just don't understand why it's such a hot take. And And the other thing I don't understand is why is it such a hot take to say, you know, again, Utah. Utah would come into the Big 12 and compete for the Big 12 championship today in yeah. football. Yeah. Why is that so shocking? And I think it's shocking because most people probably don't watch Utah football. Yeah. Would Arizona compete for a basketball championship? No, probably not. Would Arizona State? No, they're a top 15 program max. Ask their athletic director. Would Colorado? No, they wouldn't. But... If we're talking about likely Big 12 candidates, which are not Oregon and Washington, Stanford and Cal, because they are not likely to go to the Big 12, Utah could go in, I think, in track and field. I think in women's basketball, women's softball, um, certainly football. 
and compete at the top of the conference right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. Without question. Like the football program at Utah is without question one of the best in the country. Kyle Whittingham, and I've said this and I know every Big 12 fan lights me up for it. Kyle Whittingham's a top, I think top five coach in the entire country. Saban, Kirby, Ryan Day. I think you got to put Kirby there. I think Kyle Whittingham is is easily on par with Ryan Day. I would go Saban, Kirby, Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, and Kyle Whittingham. Those would be my five. I don't think that uh, uh, Brian Kelly right now is top five. I don't. I but don't think so either. Um, you know, as far as Dabo's concerned, you need to show me you can win without Trevor Lawrence. Right? And you need to show me that you can that you can win when you're not already crowned the champion of the ACC. Yeah. Well, that's not a fair point. Yeah. It, it'd be like because the Pac-12. You can say a lot of things about the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is a meat grinder in football. Yeah, absolutely. Like they, they routinely feed on themselves. Well, and how many times has SC got knocked down because they had to go to Corvallis? Like how many times? Or like, look, like how many Washington State Friday night games have killed championship aspirations in the Pac-12? Yep. I mean, like you did it to yourself. So I think there are a lot of controversial takes between the Pac-12 and the Big 12 and the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Like knock yourself out, dude. I, I just, I think it's very interesting to me that you have all of this and, and I just don't understand why why it has to get that way. I have no idea. Um, let's see. Tanner Plummer. I love Kyle Winningham. I wish he decided to come to BYU in 2005. I think a lot of Utah fans would hate that take. Uh, Michael Peck, Dabo better than Day. Ryan mm-hmm. Day's interesting. I yeah. mean, I'm a big Ryan Day guy. I think it's almost impossible to do what Ryan Day's done in Ohio State. Meaning what? Well, A, just right out the gate, replacing Urban Meyer. When Purvin left there, and you, I mean, who were you going to get? Do you know that, that, I mean, the thimble size of of names? <laughs> and Ryan Day, I think, has done a great job. Yeah. Ryan Day's done a very good job there. Yeah. A, a very good job. And I, I think he wins. It's never good enough because I think he he is, and again, this is just me. I think Ryan Day is not the power personality that Urban Meyer was. Yeah. And I think that when you're trying to replace that guy and you're trying to do it in the, the swagtastic fashion that, you know, Herbs did it when he was at the top of his game, I think it's really difficult to be that guy. But when you look at the fact that Ryan Day has never in a full season won less than 11 games. Does that say he's 45 and 6 overall? Yes. I mean, dude. And he's 31 and 2. Now, granted, it's the Big Ten, which is the Big which Three. Which is fair. That's really? Fair. The Big Two and a half. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. But what's the only game that matters every single year to Ohio State? <coughs> Got to beat Michigan. Every year. And how has he done? Got to be Jim in his khakis. And he's done it pretty regularly. And when you look at the fact that he's gone to. The college football playoff, the Rose Bowl, that 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 absolute melee with Utah, like huh. he's finishing thirteen and one, seven and one, eleven and two, and eleven and two. And putting guys in the league. I mean, it's unbelievable yeah. the job he's done, and Ryan Day doesn't get any credit for it. Ryan, he just is that guy 
Ryan Day's that guy who slides under the radar. Well, and I think what's interesting is like when you compare, like if you compare Saban and Ryan Day, Ryan Day gets penalized because Ohio State is viewed as a football machine, like a football factory, right? That I puts agree. guys in the league. Totally agree. Quarterback after quarterback. But then you go to Alabama. It's like, hey, Alabama isn't Alabama without Nick Saban, so he deserves all the credit in the world. And that's what I think is tough for Ryan Day because of Urban Meyer and what he built. Like, Nick Saban basically turned Alabama into, you know, a juggernaut from nothing. Like, absolutely nothing. And Ryan Day, you know, comes in and has been tasked with, hey, fly under the radar, but still put guys in the league and be a good team and, you know, be in the college football playoff every year. So that, I I just... Ryan Day's done a good job of not getting frustrated with that aspect. I would agree with that 100%. I think it's, I just think it's a tough way to make a living. I think it's a very tough way to make a living. I see you guys battling. I want to talk about this one right here. Keep sleeping on Jonathan Smith. Dude, the beeves are good. I don't think we've slept on Jonathan Smith at all. But you have to, you have to do something significant. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you're Jonathan Smith in Oregon State, you have to shock the world. That is, I mean, that's the minimum bar that has to be met there for him to break out on the, the national stage, to break out on the conference stage. You're, you're in a conference where, frankly, you're, you, you have two heavyweights of college football in your conference. Yeah. And when you look at, or you look at, at Kyle Whittingham and um, you look at his accomplishments and his record and the guys he's put in the NFL and, and you go down to SC and you already know what Lincoln's done, I think it's going to take a lot of significance. We'll talk about that. Uh, I want your comments on who's the best coach in college football after we hear from the advocates. Getting knocked around in an accident is awful. That's why you need someone to look out for you. Call the advocates for your free consultation, and we'll keep you from getting knocked around. Yep, the advocates at theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. And again, guys, if you were hurt at work today, man, you need the advocates, guys, because they're here to defend you. They're here to fight for you at the advocates, and they do it without asking you to pay them any money up front. You can chat with an attorney live online for free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You never pay a retainer. You never pay a consultation fee at theadvocates.com. In fact, go there right now, chat with an attorney, tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Uh, let's get to, man, you guys are feisty today. Yeah. You're feisty. Um, Dave Patrick, no way Utah comes close to tech and track. Okay. You're talking, dude. Okay. Gary Godoroff says, Brian Kelly, brain Kelly. No, I'm a Notre Dame fan, dude. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> you know. Our favorite Floridian, Maury Alvarez, if you're going to the NFL, you, uh, you go to a better man. Yes, you do. <laughs> is a better man than bro. you are. <laughs> See, that's yes, the kind of do. energy I need in the chat, bro. That's what I need. Yes, you do. Big Bad Brass Balls says pick one. Mark Harlan or Tom Homo? You pick one. Mark Harlan. I think it's close. I think I think my honest opinion on that, thanks for a reasonable take and question. Appreciate you. <laughs> Tom Homo did a hell of a job in independence, and I think that's the only reason they're in the Big 12. I think, I think Mark Harlan... Uh, has done a phenomenal job wading through uh, the pandemic and being patient I would agree with and that. building I would agree with that. Utah. So right now, I would take Mark Carlin. But hey, if BYU overachieves and if somehow BYU finds their way mid-table in the Big 12 in the first three years, 
Tom Homo deserves a lot of credit for that. Yeah. No, I, I don't even I don't even disagree. I just I think Tom Homo is an operator. I there are a few dudes in college athletics that I respect more because I just think he's done such a good job. Yeah. He's done such a good job. Paul Schultz. The Big Twelve is a G five conference starting next year. Next uh, comment. There you go. Truck stop gumby rip village in. Did village in close? Did it really? Man, Village. I did not see that, dude. Long time. Long time. Um, Truck Stop Gumby says, uh, Pilgrim, you got this. You got this, Pilgrim. Yes, Village Inn in Utah is done. Is it really? Yep. I did not know that. Immaculate says, interesting. All right, then. Guess we got a little drama going on live. We do. What, I don't, what, what drama are we expecting? Just the comment section being dramatic today. Yeah, sometimes it happens. Andrew says, stop throwing insults. Who's throwing insults? Sam J, remember, Utah has been vetted to go to the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that. Does Harlan know something we don't? Why would he leave to go to USC when he can stay at Utah and go to the same conference as them? Could be. Yeah, yeah Could absolutely that's a fair be. take, dude. Todd James says, Paul must be a troll. Top college basketball conference is not G5. Please go join Greg in the corner of delusions. Jesus. But like it's serious. Like any any uh, the insults, the insults to the Big Twelve. Like it's just funny. It, it, it's fun. the the bias in your fandom. I I wish I wish that we could drop filters on people's brains where they would take their fandom out of their sports takes. Couldn't look at you, Neuralink if you if, want. If you take out your fandom, all of a sudden your common sense has more room to expand, right? Like, and that's why we have. I'm dude. I'm a Notre Dame fan. I'm not a Big 12 fan. I am not a Pac-12 fan. I just have happened to cover the Pac-12 for a decade and been around the Pac-12 for a decade. And yeah, like it, it's not a great conference. Yeah. The, the, the member institutions, best in the business. The conference? Nah, bro. Nah, bro. Cougar Tracks, can we all just get along? Seriously, no. you guys are a little dialed up today. Stay hard. You guys are a little dialed up today. A little dialed up today. You know. Jeremy Callahan says, Conference of Champions, Hale Walton. All right, Calzone. Troy W. says, zero sources today. <coughs> I don't know what you mean by that. Yeah, what does that Truck mean? Truck Stop Gumby says, why can't we be friends? I, I you know, I, I don't know. Uh, Drew Christensen, sorry, Greg, I'm a diehard BYU fan, and even I'm not delusional enough to say BYU is the best school in the state. Maybe BBYU develops into that in the Big 12, but no way is that the case right now. It's, it's just uneducated. Yeah, I, I it's, think... It's uneducated. Dude, the, the reasonable take is, hey, BYU clearly understands how to build a brand to a point where they can get into a P5. And I think they deserve yes. a ton of credit for that and a lot of respect. And frankly, you know, we haven't... Obviously, we're out of college football season right now. We haven't talked a ton of BYU recently, although we do during the season. I think right now is go time if you're Kalani in that football program. Uh, because, by the way, everyone... For all my Dion people saying, hey, buddy's got to win. Yeah. Kalani Sataki might want to find a way to win three games this year. Seriously. Buddy's got to win. <clears throat> buddy's got to win. One game is not going to get it done, Dion. One game is not going to get it done, Kalani. And yeah, you fired a bunch of people. You brought in Jay Hill. You brought Buddy's in some gotta people. Win. He does. They do. It like there's no way around it. And so when we talk <laughs> about BYU versus Utah, I love it. 
Utah has been doing the winning. Now BYU needs to answer that if they want to be in the same conversation. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I, I think winning cures a lot of people. You know, I, I think I, it, it cures a lot of people. DSEW, you guys are being honest and truthful with your takes is sadly always going to bring haters to the show. But you handle that issue well. I, it, the problem is, <laughs> Swaim's a perfect example. He's begged to be a guest on our show repeatedly. For months. Repeatedly. You guys know we don't just put, hey, average dude. Like, I, with all due respect to Greg, Greg Swaim, it's not personal. I don't know Greg. I don't know what he does. I have no idea what his credentials are. I know he's a YouTuber like we are. Great, cool, man. That's awesome. But we don't put average dude writer on the show. When's the last time you guys saw us put a writer on the show? Who do we put on? We put on principals, athletes, people at TV networks. We put on principals on the show. That's what our brand has always been. So we don't just simply, hey, say, okay, well, we'll put, you know, writer dude on the show. You know, the only guy that we were going to put on the show before, unfortunately, he passed was Blue and Gold Dude. Like, we were talking to his guy about having him on the show. Like, it, we may have done a collab. That's it. But we don't put average dude on the show. I don't believe, and hey, in the comments, sidebar, tell me if I'm wrong. I don't believe you come to this show for beat writer's opinion. You can get beat writer's opinion anytime you want. Not hard to find it. You come to the show because, A, you want the experience of listening to the show. Some days it's great. Other days maybe you have a rough time in the comments section. Dude, this show sucks every day. I know. It's terrible. But You know it, and Swaim know. knows it. I know. Swaim knows it. You know, Which all the is why on he's Twitter here watching it. the show. Like, and that's why I say, like, I, I, I'm me personally, I'm a big believer that, that we've done pretty good work no matter who you are, no matter how much you want to hate on us, we've done some really good work over the last, I would say, year and a half, whether it's Jazz, Pac-12 TV deal, college football realignment, and that's brought a lot of new faces and names to the chat. There's no doubt about it. So, great, Greg. Hey, dude, bro, comment, please. <laughs> Run your asinine takes in our comments section because all that does is tell YouTube you like our show. Please. That's And that's the funny thing. They're like, oh, I'm going to troll him. Okay, please do. Please. Comment away. Please. Friends. Comment please. away. Please. Hit the like button. It helps the channel grow. Thank you. Right, like, come on now. Uh, Cowboy Country says, I've known Greg Swaim since 1999. He's a legit expert when it comes to basketball, specifically Big 12 basketball. He used to work at Triple Play Sports in Stillwater. I, I don't know. What is, I have never heard of Triple Play Sports. I guess the inning ended. There you go. Uh, Tanner Plummer, Kalani is a good coach, but I don't feel like he has a killer instinct and he doesn't handle adversity well. This could continue to hurt the program in the Big 12. I would agree. Kalani is very program. nice. He is very nice. And that I think that does not that does not always translate to wins, and it does not always translate to what's best for building a football program. But we'll see now, because I think he's got two years. He needs to be. He needs to win games, starting right now. He yeah. needs to win games because yeah. they spent a lot of money to overhaul the program. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, let's see. Truck Stop Gumby says I loves the Monty Shogram program. Appreciate that. Uh, Michael Peck says I've been watching you guys for a couple of years and can't think of a time you brought on a writer. Never have done it. Never have done it. I mean, and it, it's just not. It's just not our brand. It's not what we do. Tom Dubay. 
Trying to figure out how on point your mark is putting uh, emphasis on basketball. There are about three times as many basketball games versus football games. Each football game gets more viewers, but how much more are football game production costs? Oh, I don't, Tom, I, I think you're exactly that. right. I love that. And it, it's the biggest handicap for the Pac-12 right now. They're in this fight for their existence, existential crisis, because they can't build, they can't develop, they can't grow, they can't extend their reach, they can't go to Mexico, they can't go to Rucker Park, they can't even talk about those deals because they are so focused on just surviving, just trying to be a conference that you're unable to, to build in new revenue streams. And I think it's, it's really crippling. It's really crippling them. And I know a lot of people talk about how, you know, it's taken forever to get a TV deal. This is one of the reasons it's a huge problem. Yeah. It is a huge problem because if, when you don't have a TV deal, you can't, you can't do the things that, that the Big 12 has done. I mean, if you just think about the fact that they hired a commercial director, they hired a guy whose only job is to sell branding deals for the conference. You've got NFL Pro Day coming to Dallas. You've got, again, Big 12 Media Day in Dallas. You've got Big 12 Football Media Day in Dallas. You've got the Big 12 Tournament in Kansas City, Mexico City, Monterey, Mexico, Rucker Park, you've, I mean, just all of these things that it feels like every week they're announcing some new revenue stream in the Big 12. Facts. You know, and you're, you're distributing, you're probably distributing $50 million year one of the, the new deal. Yeah. I mean, because the other thing that you're not thinking about is the Big 12 came to market early. I believe their new TV deal starts 2025. So you have all this ramp up time now to build in all of this new infrastructure into your into your new, your TV revenue because you're only at 31.7. Yeah. yeah. And again, contrast the 31.7 in the Big 12 to whatever the Pac-12 ends up at. The difference is Brett Yormark has spent the last the better part of the last year sprinting forward putting new revenue on top of that TV deal. So you're not just getting $32 million, you're getting 50 million and 60 million. And that just keeps escalating and growing because he's got a whole team now that's deployed to making revenue. Their only job is to bring new revenue to the conference. And how much does that calm the waters in the conference um, um, amidst, you know, the ACC thing? Because I am a big buyer on the concept that, you know, like eight, like the Mark Harlins and the Taylor Randalls is an example. Yes. ADs and presidents are paying attention to the greater you know, national landscape about what different conferences are doing here and there. And they're, you know, it's like, it's like a uh, Bobby Robbins at Arizona being in DC and, you know, talking to all these people and like these people all mingle together. So if you're Brett Yormark, you understand that, Hey dude, like 31.7 is a, is a cool number, but we got, we got to push that up. We got to get to 50. But think about all those athletic directors and presidents or presidents really that were in DC at the hearings, right? Yeah. What are they all doing? They're all talking to each other. Yeah. They're all talking. And you have Pac-12 presidents who are who are quite literally in a group of power players, global power players. And they're like, hey, by the way, congratulations on your grant of rights. Congratulations, man. And they're like, what grant of rights? What are you what are you talking about? Oh, it's being reported that your grant of rights is done. And they're like, no, dude, it's not. Trust me. Like, think about that. Yeah. You're in a group of industry and global power players. 
politicians, people that make influence, influential decisions, and are your peers, and I mean, just a massive group of people. And you're trying to tell, no, no, there's no grant of rights. That's, all, that's not true. That's, that's where the Pac-12 is. Big 12 is like, good job. Way to go. Our grant of rights is done. And we're open for business. And you're having like networking meetings because that's all these people do. That's yeah. all these people do. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it's crazy to me. Uh, Larry Keith says, Big 12 fans need to stop worrying about the Pac-12 and focus on getting excited for the new schools like BYU. The future is bright, so let's focus on that for a little bit. I, I totally agree with you, but I think it's awfully difficult to do that when you have Colorado's meeting lingering over your head on Monday. Mm. Or It's really the, the inability of, of the Pac-12 to control the media, the media narrative has been has been difficult. Truck stop Gumby. Mexico is dangerous right now. Better off in Canada. Yeah, by the way, please don't go vacation in Mexico. Did you hear about those? At, at a resort, I think it was three uh, Americans died at a resort in Baja of chemical poisoning. What? By gas. People died in Mexico on vacation? And they're already thinking it was air conditioning exhaust that killed um, these people while they took a nap in their hotel room, flipped on the air conditioner, and it killed them. Um, because that's happened repeatedly across Mexico because there is no oversight of things like carbon monoxide and smoke detectors and monoxide detectors. and hmm. So it's happened repeatedly. Hmm. I'm not vacationing in Mexico anytime soon. You know. I, I'm just saying. But I know. We're not, we're not supposed to worry about you, you know, know, Big 12 athletes in Mexico. It's OG true. Gary, what's up, Gary? Is the Pac-12 done burning? Not quite yet. Nah. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. Jeremy Calzone, Big 12 kebab, Big 12 sandwich. Yeah, presented by Oklahoma State, <laughs> right? <laughs> Truck stop Gumby, the Big 12 foot long. There you go. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, two years for Kalani. I'm giving him at least four. This is going to be a grind for BYU. But it depends on what that two years entails. Yeah. If it's two wins and you win four games in two years, the seat's going to be because it's smoking garbage. hot. Uh, C. Kaufman said, I wish someone had the answer to my question. What question would that what be, What question sir? would that be, C. Kaufman? Because we get a lot of comments. It's hard for me to read them all. Uh, I apologize if I missed your comment. Um, so Tip just, us one cent so it highlights it. So yeah, it's easier I, to find, bro. And I'm not even... Like we're not trying to dodge your question. We're getting. I mean, we must have what four thousand comments Something already. Something like that, yeah. Like just some insane. Like, please, it really helps if you have a question that you're dying to get answered. We're not. I'm not asking you to tip for the money. Make it one cent. I, yeah. I like it. We just need it highlighted so it's easier to find. Mike S says, "Me hearing this going to Mexico tomorrow. Are you really, dude? And don't, kick a person when he's down. Don't turn on the air conditioner, dude." Michael Peck, that happened in the Dominican Republic a few few years ago while I was there. So like, because there's no regulation of it. That's what I mean. So that, like, are you really telling? Like last week, I rolled out the take that, hey, like I'm happy for the Big Twelve that you're doing this Mexico thing, and I think it's great, and I think there's a huge market down there, and business wise, it's awesome. Like I love it, but safety, that's a big red flag. If I'm Brett Yormark, I'm yeah. I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, where's the facility? And we're going to have that. We will have an itinerary that is down to like the minute on where these dudes need to be. And we're keeping that thing on lock. I'm just telling you, man, if you're thinking about going to Mexico, 
I I would, and if you're thinking about like, hey, I'm thinking I'm going to move to Mexico. I would be like, well, hey, dude, that doesn't mean you can't go to TridayTrading.com slash Monty and become one of the best day traders ever seen in North America. Because you, you can be a day trader in Mexico at TridayTrading.com slash Monty where you can get a $10 30-day membership and the $10 is donated to charity at TridayTrading.com. I talk about it every day. And every day somebody will say, is that legit? Absolutely, it's legitimate. I am a guy, and I will, I will even tell you, because I look at my stocks every single day. Mm-hmm. People ask me all the time, hey, hey you don't have stocks. Hey, okay. Monty. While we talk about TridayTrading.com and while you go there and sign up for the $10 membership yeah. for 30 days, I will inform you now that I was up $1,014.37 on the day. Um, and that was largely due to, ooh, very nice day for GE was up today. Amazon was up today. Um, back to breaking even. Nice day for Pfizer. And the cool thing today, is. American cool thing Airlines is, had a good day today. Cool thing is my guy over here is not, not having to sit on the, on the computer and enter the launch codes to make the trades. No, I'm right? not. Like it's all, you can automate it all through their program. It's super easy to use. And the best part about Triday Trading is they want to give it all to you free, essentially, for 30 days. That $10 does not stay in their pocket. It goes to charity. It's a tax write-off for you. And you get their full coaching program. You get access to all their processes, their systems, their algorithms. They're going to teach you how to be one of the best day traders in the world. And I will just ask you again. Hey, did you make $1,000 today? I know you woke up and you said your boss is a dick. And you want to find a better job and you're tired of commuting and you're really <coughs> upset they made you go back to the office, trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Hey, did you make $1,000 today? Oh, you didn't. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Hey, did you make $200 today? Oh, you didn't. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. See, there are people who work a full-time job and in the morning, they set up all their trades for the day. And as Jake was talking about, you have a software and you have an algorithm that makes those trades for you throughout the day because they're going to teach you how to use those systems. So you spend an hour in the morning, you set up your trades, you leave the house, you come home, you weren't even thinking about it. You made two, three, four, five hundred dollars today. Yeah. Oh, you want to do this full time? You want to have your own business and work for yourself and provide yourself the life you've always dreamed of? Tridaytrading.com slash Monty because they're full-time traders make a thousand dollars a day. And the best part is when you're ready to start trading, and you're ready to become a day trader, you trade tridaytrading.com's money. They give you an account and they make a deposit in your account. You trade that money first. And if you make money, they give you 80% of the profit. Trydaytrading.com slash Monty. Sign up for the 30-day $10 membership. No strings attached. You're done after 30 days? Okay, cool. Alema Harrington joins the show every week and says, hey man, if you don't know in 30 days, you're probably never gonna know. That's exactly right. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. Make sure you tell me you heard about it. On the Monty Show, Rowdy Every Point says, Raytheon, McDonald, Douglas, and Boeing are guaranteed long-term winners because of NATO nations who have depleted the military arsenal. Dude, truer words have never been spoken. I'm telling you, there is money sitting there to be made. I'm a huge market guy. I'm a huge market guy. Huge market guy. I love it. Uh, Clint Mose says, send me Mo money and I'll read it at the Big 12 Slant Kurtz. What do you mean? What do you mean? Um, Oklahoma State, Clint says, uh, lost their rival. There you go, BYU. Yeah, I, I am so upset about Bedlam. 
We've talked about this all week, I feel like. Uh, C. Kaufman, the question was, can the Pac-12 vote on anything with the Oregon president not in office yet? Yes, they can. It's not an issue. It is not holding anything up. They have an interim in place yeah. who is running the ship. And they've named their president, I think it's 10 days, something like that. So it won't be long. Ron Nolan says, Tijuana Tech is moving to the Big 12. That's cool. I think their mac mascot is the chicklet. Okay. Okay. You know. Uh, Steve Lees says, Clint Mose, OU Oki Light want a rival. It was a practice game for OU. Who cares if it was a practice? So then we shouldn't play Oklahoma OU because it was a practice game and OU wins every year. Well, then why do we play Ohio State, Michigan? Ohio State wins every year, right? What, it, it, this is amazing to me. This is still the same thing I say about the Holy War, BYU and Utah. But don't play it. Nobody cares. Everybody cares. Everybody cares about Bedlam. There's not a Sooner fan in the world who doesn't want you. Just you check the box, right? Oklahoma State never wins that game. It's a guaranteed win. Why wouldn't you want to play it? Oh, that's right. You're just being You know, uh, do you think Oregon cared when they lost to Oregon State? And that opened the door for Utah. Hmm. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, Ron Bohr. This one's for Johnny Two Holes, Coach Prime. I don't know who. Do you jo know? Do you jo know who's Johnny, Johnny Two Holes? Yeah, I don't know who Johnny I have no Two Holes is. Idea who that is. <laughs> Borlawn Angel. What happens to the future Pac-12 out of conference scheduling if TV deal? Is majority streaming? Yeah, it's a really that's good question. That's a great question, sir. What I think else? That's it, a great what unknown. else are you not announcing? You're not announcing future scheduling, and you're not. Yeah, dude. You're not really recruiting. I mean, you're what not were you, really. What were you eight weeks behind every other conference's media day announcement? Right, like you were way behind on that. We'll see, man. We shall see. Larry Pilgrim, Washington versus Michigan State is on Peacock. Thanks to the Big Ten. You ain't wrong. Game wrong. Wasn't Napoleon Dynamite filmed at Boise State? I have no idea, was it? No that idea. That would be awesome. Uh, OG Gary, I would love to see Utah BYU every year. Yeah. Every single year. Yes. Every year. Jeremy Calzone. Jake, make the Super Chat one cent so we can send it. Kurtz, you can drive the conversation by donating money to the Super Chat. Yeah, just so you guys are aware, like, I love you for tipping us. And, Who is... I don't. I've lost track of the names and <laughs> Johnny Two Holes and Kurtz. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, Kurtz is a Big Twelve guy. He's a Big Twelve commenter. Okay, like a Big Twelve. He has a. He does something. I don't know what he does. Yeah, we read comments whether you guys pay for them or not. Yeah, I'm not. My point that I was gonna make is that you know it, it's we appreciate when you tip us, obviously, and that money goes into studio builds and infrastructure for the show and better tech for the show and like basically things to make the show better. But there are a lot of times where we're getting, and I'm not even joking. And I'm sure you can see in the comments section, thousands of comments. And so see Kaufman, like, you know, sometimes you're going to need to donate one cent. So it highlights it for us. If you that's, that was my point with that. We don't, we don't necessarily need yeah. the money. We, we read every super chat. Yeah. So if you want to, Hey, if you want to get your comment read, that's the best way, but yeah. Uh, OG Gary says Kurtz is, uh, 12 content only. Oh, okay. That's cool. Cool. Uh, Cougar tracks, same way Utah won't play Utah state. Well, yeah, but P 
versus G5. Yeah. Like now there's a reason they're incentivized not to. Tanner Plummer says Napoleon Dynamite was film, filmed in Preston, Idaho. I've been there. It's as empty as it looked in the movie. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Truck Stop Gumby says the landscape looked beautiful, though. All right. All right. That's cool. Cowboy says John Kurtz is a YouTube show and he's, oh, John Kurtz. <laughs> he's a K State guy. Okay. Okay, cool. That's cool. Yeah. I've lost track of all the names. It's I'm not being disrespectful or I've You said John Kurtz sucked. <laughs> you said Greg Swim is an asshole. But who's got time? If you are John Kurtz or Greg Swaim apparently has time, who's got time to sit around, do your own show, and then go watch other shows? Like who in the world has time for that? I laid down in bed last night at 1045 and I was like, God damn, where did the day go? Like, who's got time for that? Not only do we, like, yesterday we were making content at PXG getting a club fitting. Then we run up here to, to meet a graphic guy because we're changing the wall wrap. And then we get, we're, we're trying to build the show. Like, who's got, who's got time for that? I, I, with all due respect, I, I, this is where I always tell my wife, you know, some days I wish I just had a nine to five. And then at my five, fucking ass. and at four fifty nine and fifty nine seconds, I'm getting out of my desk and I'm going golf. Yeah, you know it's the it's the meme on on Instagram, right? <laughs> hey, it, the house is burning down at your nine to five, but it's five oh one. You're checked out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. Right? Like there are some days I am envious of that because I get up at five every day and I go to bed at like ten forty five every day, and it just like it's gone. It's I don't. I wish I had time. I don't, because I probably wouldn't. But I wish I had time to sit around and watch YouTube shows. And I appreciate those of you who do. But doing a YouTube show is a ton of time commitment. Like, it's real. I don't know how people do it. I do. Because we do it. Yeah. And it's an ass kicking. No, I don't know how people have time to do their YouTube show and then go watch other YouTube shows. Oh, yeah. Because this is six, seven hours of our day alone, just preparing for the show, calling people, talking to people, like writing the content, like all that stuff. That's like six, seven hours a day. Like all I do is read. Like, I don't know how people have time to do it. Uh, Cowboy Country says your wall wrap is really cool. Where did you get it? A company called Alpha Graphics does it for us. And the Baktress on the show designs them. And then we get it printed. Jet Wayman says, sup boys, let's talk about the jazz moving up. I would love it if we could draft Scoot. Let's do that. Um, on the Monty show, after we tell you about our good friends at Papa Murphy's Pizza, tell you every day about the calzones, but man, you gotta dump the meatball marinara right on top of it. At Papa Murphy's, we do more than just pizza. We do meatballs and marinara. Papa Murphy's does meatballs? Oh, oh, I think you mean I do the meatballs and marinara? And how do you do it, Dad? How do I do it? How do I do it? Oh, well, we do it with savory ground beef covered, covered in tangy, tangy marinara. That's how, honey. At Papa Murphy's, we make great pizza. And don't forget the meatballs. Order now at PapaMurphy's.com. Papa Murphy's Pizza. Make sure you download the Papa Murphy's mobile app. It's the easiest way to order. 
Dude, I could use a Papa Murphy's pie, some calzone. They're take and make chocolate chip cookies, Bomb. dudes. The best in the business. Hook it up at Papa Murphy's. Make sure you use promo code MONTY25 to get 25% off your purchase of $25 or more at Papa Murphy's Pizza. Um, Hold on. Every time the Teddy Wayman shows up, Monty owes a ribeye shows up. Have we seen? <laughs> Do you delivered a draper. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's have a good we, reference. Have we seen them in the same room? Dude. I don't know if we have. Uh, you know, Jeremy, whoa, Larry Pilgrim says, you guys need to start doing back of the envelope talking points and save time. Back of the envelope calculations. That's awesome. Jeremy Calzone says, I do this passively while working. But it's different for you. Like when you have a, when my point is not, hey, you guys are assholes for what? No, no. When I, when I worked at Yelp, all I did was I had earbuds in and I listened to sports radio all day long. I did that all day long, right? But when you do a YouTube show all day, you're doing a YouTube show. Because it's yeah. not just, you know, like, like two to five is, it, we don't just do it two to five every day. Yeah. Like it's the first thing I do when I wake up at five, I, I have a list of sites that I read for updates um, go to the gym, go hit some golf balls, whatever I'm going to do to work out. And then it's like, Hey, it's on dude. I'm here every morning at like seven 45 ish. And you're flipping through Twitter. You're flipping through the news, news blogs. You're reading. And then we sell our show all day. And then at noon we shoot a bunch of shorts. And then by one o'clock we're building the show plat. You know, we're doing the show build out. Like it just runs. And now you know, it's four o'clock Pacific right now. Like who's, I, I don't, the time just flies. The time just flies, man. So yeah, back of the envelope calculations would be just fine. Back of the envelope calculations. Uh, Jet Wayman says, LOL, when we have time, Monty owes a ribeye. We, it, absolutely. It's a ribeye steak. And you, I'm actually looking forward to it. I haven't seen Teddy Wayman in forever since the jazz game we went to. Yeah. Uh, the Jazz won't trade up for Henderson. They want Dick at nine. Well, I don't know why you have to describe players as Dick. We'll see. Let's it's talk dark. about it. Uh, the Monty Show, as always, is presented by our friends at The Advocates, theadvocates.com. The best injury attorneys in the business, hands down, and I say it every day, and I know you guys are probably tired of hearing me talk about it. I love the fact that the advocates do not ask you to pay them up front. The advocates never ask you to pay them unless and until they win your case. So they're going to help you defer your medical bills, right? They understand that sometimes it's hard to pick up a phone and talk about the accident you were in. So you can chat with them live online, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, theadvocates.com. Uh, make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show, The Advocates. The best injury attorneys in the business, theadvocates.com. Let's talk about the Utah Jazz. Um, to kick off hour number three of the show, sources close to the team today told us that the Jazz are targeting multiple point guards in the NBA draft and specifically Ammon Thompson and Scoot Henderson, and they are willing to give up significant draft assets to do that. Um, obviously, the Jazz have the ninth pick in the first round right now, but we've been working on this story for the better part of a week because it doesn't seem in a rebuild that you would sit at number nine and hang on to all your picks. That doesn't seem like the practical application of a rebuild. But what you would do is in this draft, aggressively pursue one of your biggest needs. And in my opinion, their two biggest needs are power forward 
and point guard. And in this draft, I don't think there's any doubt. Um, and I, I almost think it's universal that when you look at the point guard prospects in this draft, the workouts that Scoot Henderson has had the last 10 days have been described to me as spectacular. Um, his body has grown. He has built his body. His physique is chiseled. His jump shot, he has tweaked his release. His jump shot looks really clean. He is saying all the right things. The NBA is quickly beginning to fall in love with Scoot Henderson at that second pick. And what that does for Charlotte is that builds a hell of a lot of equity in that second pick. And I think when you look at the Utah Jazz, I think Scoot Henderson and Ammon Thompson are the two. And I think that they are willing to give up multiple first-round picks in a later-round pick to get that done. And I, I don't know specifically that the Jazz would be willing to give up a lot of future draft capital. I think they'd be willing to give up multiple picks in this first round of this draft to get up to number two to get the point guard that they want. And I think if they get to number two, obviously they are targeting Scoot Henderson because if you do some simple math here, I don't think you need to go past four to get Ammon Thompson. But our sources today that we talked to said that the Jazz are targeting number two and if they're not able to get number two, I think they would go to number four. And I think, Jake, it makes a lot of sense that when you have the assets that they have and you have the timeline that we know that Danny Ainge and the Jazz are working on, this is the draft to be aggressive in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, this is why you brought Danny Ainge in. I think Danny Ainge is an operator, and, and my expectation for Danny Ainge is to be very productive in this draft. I, and, and that could be a number of different things. It could be trading up. To get Scoot, it, it, it could be trading up to get, uh, you know, uh, Eamon Thompson. Like, there are, there are many different ways that you could go here. But but to me, I think this, this whole conversation around needing a point guard, because that's what I put as the top priority. Yes, power forward is really important. But I think with where the Jazz are at right now, the players you have on your roster, you need someone to initiate that offense. You need someone to reliably bring the ball up and give your offense some pace. Because in watching this team last year, their biggest problem was inconsistency with how quickly they played the game. One, like one half, you'd get a nice quick pace. You'd be into your offense. And a lot of times you'd get out in transition and, 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 and you'd be moving the ball well. Uh, on another, in the second half, a lot of times you'd be you'd be working the ball really slowly up the floor, you know, and you would just be kind of two different teams in that way. And so, to me, I would love to see Danny Ainge move up and get Scoot. I, I obviously that's a that's a win win. I mean, if you move up in the draft to get a guy like Scoot, and let's say Scoot for whatever reason, not that I think he would, but let's say that he was a bust for somehow. Well, no one's gonna blame you for that. That's a reliable. Win-win pick. So for me, I would prioritize point guard and then and then work on power forward later in this draft. But absolutely, I think if you were to go and get Scoot, if you were to go and get Thompson, uh, th there are great options in this draft. But I think no matter what, if you're a Jazz fan, you can't get away from the idea that Colin Sexton hasn't quite worked out and reached the ceiling you would have liked for him to reach. Because if he had worked out the way you wanted him to, if he had stayed healthy, not picked up the injury, you wouldn't be in this position. But frankly, Colin Sexton, in my opinion, is more of a guy that's going to be coming off the bench behind whoever you pick up in this draft. I think he is a solid, like, I'm not talking about young guy coming off the bench now. I'm talking about bring him in the game, 20-minute-a-night contributor, you know, tenacious on defense, really gives you quality minutes behind whoever that guy is you draft. But I, I also think Colin Sexton can be your Jordan Clarkson replacement. 
I think he can be that guy who can flame on. He can come in and run an offense. He can score for you. Because the thing that excites me about Colin Sexton is his ability to attack the basket. This league is rapidly turning into a fast-paced league where free throws determine games. Mm -hmm. And I think when you look at the way that the Denver Nuggets control the pace of their game, you look at the way, frankly, if we look at the top of the conference, you always have teams, whether it's the Phoenix Suns, you had three operators on that team this year that knew how to get to the free throw line. You look at the Golden State Warriors, the LA Lakers. The LA Lakers were dominant at the free throw line. That's what you have to build. You have to build a team that can play at pace, shoot the three, and get to the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Colin Sexton can be that player. And I, 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 that's why I am not a proponent of trading him. I also think he's coming off of a significant injury. You knew this was going to be a, 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 you know, a touch-and-go year, a spotty year for him. When he played, he showed you things. Now, it took some time to get him into the system, frankly, with Will yeah. Hardy. Yep. But once, once, once Colin got going a little bit, you, you saw flashes of what he could be. That, to me, means, hey, let him, let him be your sixth man almost, your scorer off the bench. And then if he earns that job, Grady earns that job, that should be your biggest problem that Colin Sexton's playing too well um, and he needs to start. Hey, that's cool, man. We'd all love to have that problem. Do you think you said something there about Jordan Clarkson? And I know we get this all the time from jazz fans. Do you think as a jazz fan, it's time to start to start putting him in the past? Because I think a lot of jazz fans are reticent to do that. A lot of jazz fans are like, yeah, he is technically off of our roster right now, but they're going to re-sign him. Yes. I think a lot of jazz fans want to live in that reality. And I'm not so sure that you should be living in that reality. In fact, I, I would tell you not to be living in that reality. I would t be telling you that the draft is the number one priority. And in my opinion, the Jazz should behave as though Jordan Clarkson is not going to be on this team. And if, hey, if, if he's he not going to be on this team. And, and if he wanted to take a hometown discount, cool, whatever, maybe that works out. But but I agree with that. I think that he, he wants to play for a championship. And... And and to me, Jazz fans need to need to let Jordan Clarkson go emotionally and mentally because he's already gone. Yeah. I think if you look at this draft, I think you have to be willing, if you're the Utah Jazz and you have an opportunity at a, a the second or the fourth, I think you have to be willing to trade your picks. I think you have to be willing to Look at your, you know, your your Minnesota pick. I think you have to be willing to look at your Philadelphia pick. I think you have to be willing, um, you know, to look at that Lakers pick, what, in 2028, 2027, the Lakers first round pick, right? Protected top four. You have to be willing to look at picks down the road to put yourself in a position. And this is, hey, the conversation I had today was very much that. The Jazz are willing to be aggressive because they've identified, and it was said to me, Scoot Henderson and Ammon Thompson are the two guys that they've identified that, hey, these are the guys that fit in our system. There's a lot of belief that Ammon Thompson is much more mature than his age and his experience, and that his learning curve, because of his, his skill set that's already in place, makes him a unique guy who can play in this league at an early stage in his career. Yeah. Because I think most of us who have followed this team and followed this rebuild understand the Jazz are not looking for a 10-year rebuild. They're looking for a two- to three-year rebuild. They're looking to be a championship-caliber club, not this year, not next year, but that, that year after that, when, when you're, you're talking about 2026 as a year where this team believes that it should be competing for an NBA championship. 
You're going to see them build a roster this year that puts them solidly into the playoffs. I think next year, you're going to need to leave some room for question marks. How much are we developing? Because I also think, what are you going to do to replace Fisdale? Because I think when you look at this roster, the fact that Walker Kessler is, A, going to represent the United States at the Worlds, the fact that he became one of the best rim runners in this league in the second half of the year last year, and the fact that you can see him developing offensively right before your eyes in the middle of games. This is a guy now, his development becomes a priority. So you love that he's going to the mm -hmm. world, right? Yep. You have nothing to lose there. You have an absolute foundational piece in Laurie Markkinen. What you have to do now is figure out, hey, is Ochai Agbaji a, a, a starter? Is this a guy that we can plug in at a 2-3 and call it good? I don't know. We need to figure that out, right? Is Laurie Markin in a 3 or a 4, right? I don't think you, you need to be locked in necessarily to positions. But is Ochai Agbaji one of your five best players? Or is he a guy that you're going to make a starter? Is Walker Kessler, is, you know, is, is this group of guys, and specifically those three, because I think Walker, for sure, Larry Markkinen, a bit of a question mark on, is he one of your best players the year that you're pushing to win a championship? Mm. I think that's a big question. Yeah. You're, I can't believe that we get another year of massive growth out of Laurie Markkinen. Because I don't even know what kind of player he would be at that point. But those questions have been answered by this club already. They're looking at this draft from what our sources close to the team are telling us. They're looking at this draft as an opportunity to take a step forward in time, to kind of bend that, to bend that growth curve. They've identified Scoot Henderson and Ammon Thompson as two guys they really like. Thanks. And I think when you, you look at the potential of this team, you look at the potential of this team to win, man, I'm telling you, mm -hmm. I, I would give up the Laker pick. I give up the I would I would give up the the Philadelphia pick. I would I mean I I want two first round picks in this draft. Yeah. That's what that's what I think this Jazz team needs mm -hmm. to pick two players in this first round. Everything else after that's gravy. Two players in this first round really pushes you forward. And it I love Scoot Henderson. You guys know we we have talked about him ad nauseum on this show. Yeah. But man, I'm telling you, Ammon Thompson is a stud. Oh, and there those are two players in Scoot and Ammon that mm. you know, they they are not you know, these long-term give them four seasons to figure out if they can be a starter guys. I mean, I, I, I'm always, I am a big proponent, no matter how good you are outside of talents like LeBron James or the, you know, hall of fame level guys right out of the draft, 99% of players, you got to give them a, you got to give them a season first. Like you just give them a season to go and do whatever they're going to do on your team. That, that's, that's just the starting point. But I think that second year, and it kind of lines up with what you were saying where, Hey, three drafts from now, you'd, you'd, you'd hope in this process to be competing for a championship. Yes. So, so if you were to draft scoot, let's say this year, this coming season is a, whatever season he's going to come out, he's going to ball out, probably going to contend for rookie of the year type stuff with with victor absolutely and that would be great for the jazz that would bring a ton of notoriety a ton of attention awesome but expectation wise we need to remember that it's still his first year in the league 
that second year is when I would expect him to flourish and I would expect him to become the guy that you expected him to be when you drafted him. And I think the beautiful part about that is it lines right up with your with your rebuild process, with your timeline, with when you want to start contending. Like this coming season, would not be surprised if you were, you know, a sixth seed in the Western Conference. Wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Not so at all. Totally agree. Uh, Jet Wayman says point guard is definitely a top priority in my opinion. I think it is the priority. Yeah. Because I don't think in this league anymore, they, there are no coincidences. I mean, you look at what Jamal Murray meant to the Denver Nuggets. It's not a coincidence. You look at Steph Curry and what he means to Golden State, it's not a coincidence. Absolutely. You get somebody like D'Angelo Russell to settle down that offense, it's not a coincidence what the, the Lakers rise, right? Um, you, you look at the things that that determine win and loss in this league. And I think you have to have somebody, you, you look at Chris Paul for the Suns, what he used to be, what he's not anymore. Their success with Chris Paul was also their failure because of Chris Paul. The point guard is non-negotiable in this league. Yeah, And when you have a guy like, like Ammon Thompson, dude, man, I am just a huge fan. And I, I like Thompson. If I were the Jazz, I, I would be targeting him mm -hmm. because I think when you see that, that, one, the Rockets have the fourth pick, I don't know that they are invested in adding another young player to that team. I think when you brought in Ime Udoka and you said, we want to win, I think you're changing that philosophy. Absolutely. And I think that if you, you can make a trade and maybe you get Maybe, maybe you get into the fourth spot. If you get into the fourth spot, I mean, the world's your oyster at that point. So I, I think you're talking about a franchise in Charlotte that's a lot less pliable than, than the Houston Rockets because I think they, and I might be one of the few, I think there's a lot of questions around LaMelo Ball as a true feature point guard. That does not mean that he can't be a floor general. He's got wonderful vision. He's an excellent passer. Mm -hmm. But that kid's a scorer. That kid is an absolute wrecking machine. And I think if you put a Scoot Henderson next to him, dude, yeah, that's going to be a one-two combination for a decade, depending on how healthy they are. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a one-two combination you can believe in. Yep. Yep. Now, it, yeah. It, no, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, that's why I like Scoot. That's why, that's why I think, that's why I like this draft a lot. That's why I think you need to be aggressive because, again, it's you can just see, like, the issue I had with Colin Sexton is I don't think he's that coachable. I think Colin Sexton's a tough guy to coach. I think he's a firecracker of a player, and you love that. I would that, agree with that. And you hate that. Like, it was an infamous thing on the bench when Will Hardy was chewing his ass out for a dumb play that he had made, right? Like, they had, like, and kudos to the Jazz in the building, right, to, at that time, AT&T Sportsnet, right? Like, had a camera <laughs> right? on them on the bench. Like, great job. Caught that moment. And it's like, hey, man, like, you got to be more coachable than that. And that's why I say, like, I look at Colin Sexton and I say, hey, your time in Cleveland was cool. You got the pass because you were a young guy there. But that's over now. Not that you're old, but you're you're not a young guy. You're not a rook anymore, man. Like, it's time to start giving this team really quality minutes and understanding that, yes, firecracker mentality, be that guy, but within reason to stay healthy. That's the thing that Colin Sexton has to understand. And, yeah. and and I think for the Jazz, he brings the most value 
off the bench because, again, it comes back to my original point about this team right now. Their inconsistency and pace of play is largely due to guys like Colin Sexton. It's largely due to, to Jordan Clarkson. Those guys playing all these minutes is why you're inconsistent. So if you get Scoot, if you get Thompson, and you teach them, hey, this is how we're going to run offense in Will Hardy's system, you should be much more consistent with how you go about it. But it's also why I think, again, I look at Brandon Miller. It's a knockdown shooter. Yep. That's a guy that, that's a guy that, think about Boyan Bogdanovich at his best on the wing as a, as a knockdown shooter, right? Like he is that guy, but better for the Jazz, right? Mm -hmm. So you have multiple options. I just think they're targeting point guard because it's been a hole in their arsenal. Right. I mean, Mike was a guy, Mike Conley was a guy that was always hurt for this team in critical moments. And I think that when you had this recent high tide with, you know, Don Rudy, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, right? Like the one thing that you you really, in my opinion, you truly missed was the identification of who the dude was. Mm -hmm. There was never like the best player on the team, the go-to guy was Mike Conley against Denver. No. Boyan Bogdanovich against Dallas. No. Um, Rudy Gobert against Terrence Mann and the Clippers. No. Right? Never. Like it was not Don. It was not Mike. It was not Boyan. It was not Rudy. Like, it was nobody. So you tore it down. <coughs> this is an opportunity to get a guy who could potentially be your dude. Right? Because right now, I think Larry Markadin's your best player on this team. And you haven't been able to identify the singular best player on this team. And a lot of people would tell you it's Donovan Mitchell, but that just never played itself out here. Never played itself, as much as I'm a Don guy, it never played itself out that he was the elite player that you always needed him to be because he wasn't. And you have a guy now in Laurie Markkinen on a playoff team. If that Laurie Markkinen that we saw for the Jazz last year is on a playoff team, good night, dude. And if you've got an Ammon Thompson or a Scoot Henderson on the ball allowing you know, these other guys that you're building, the Walker Kesslers, the Larry Markinen, whoever you wind up putting next to those two guys or between those two guys, you know, your, your Ammon Thompson, let's say. Now you got three dudes who have the ability to get off the ball, go and get into their best position to find their spot on the floor to impact the offense. Yep. And I think that's what, obviously, with a ragtag bunch of dudes last year, that's what you missed was this cohesiveness. Going forward, you're not going to wonder where the hell Rudy Gay is. You're not going <laughs> to you know, you're not going to wonder what's going on, you know, this guy or that guy or yeah. You're just not going to have to worry about that. So I think this draft is incredibly important. Well, and I them. think again, the last point I would make is like if you're if you're one of the long times on this show, hardcore jazz fan, you guys remember when we were having the conversations about them trading Rudy specifically and just how you know, painful and tumultuous of a time that was. And I, and I think at that time I said, hey, two years from now, when you get all these picks and you have all this flexibility, you're going to be loving this moment. And now we're here at that time where you've got all this flexibility, you've got all these picks. And now it, it has to be, a, and I, I know it's corny, but it has to be in Danny we trust. And this yes. is his time to shine. And I just think that that this team can be, you know, last year they fell short of 40 wins. This team can be mid-40s this year, no problem, if you get it right in the draft. And I, and that's the one area where I can say, out of every upgrade that happened, Danny Ainge is a massive upgrade over Dennis Lindsay, and I just think you can't undersell that. Yeah, and I think just thinking about 
there's so much talent in the top 10 picks in this draft. Yes. Cam, Cam Whitmore. Dude. The problem with Cam is he's very young. Ammon's 20. And I think when you look at, when you look at, like just looking at builds, like 6'7", yeah. 215 for Ammon Thompson. Look at the size, bro. Like 20 years old. Cam Whitmore is 6'6", 235. He's 18. I mean, you're looking at a guy. You're looking at a guy in Ammon Thompson. That he, man, he, that's exciting. But good night with Cam Whitmore or Taylor Hendricks from UCF. Dude. 6'9", 215, and he's 19 years old. Yeah. Man, I'm an Ammon Thompson guy. It, again, if you're a long time, you know I've been talking about him for months. Mm -hmm. uh, Nate Davis, the Jazz Bowl, try to keep Scoot or Cam Whitmore and then go after a power forward or you can get Bradley Beal later in a trade. I, I, I think you would have, it's interesting, I had a conversation about Bradley Beal yesterday night. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that, Bradley Beal is is a guy that's going to be like, oh yeah, I want to go to another rebuilding team in Utah. Like, <coughs> I, I just and is isn't Bradley Beal a little ahead of your your arc here? A little bit, right? And you're going to have to pay him a ton. He's got a full no trade. He's got a phenomenal agent, Mark Bartlestein. Yeah, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna it doesn't make a lot of sense for the Jazz, the Lakers, the Clippers, Golden State contenders, bro. Portland. Although, can you imagine Brandon Miller in Portland? Yeah. God, dog. Like, I, does his shooting, his shooting translates, dude. I, I, man. He just needs development, dude. His two shooting. Two seasons. 6'9", 210, 20 years old. Like, that kid's that's ready got, to play. That's got wannabe Kevin Durant frame written all over it. Like, that's Kevin Durant's frame. 6'10", came in the league at, but, I want to say, 212. Let's see. I think my biggest question about Brandon Miller is he Buddy healed? Well, right now he is because that dude's a knockdown shooter. But I don't want—I—I I, I don't know right now that he's capable of finishing at the rim in this league. Yeah, which worries me a little bit, right? Yeah. Yep. So you—you you have a little question mark there, but I don't know. I'm an Ammon Thompson guy. If I'm the Jazz, that's my dude. I Agreed. think I think I think Scoot Henderson is going to be just unwieldy expensive. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, he's—they're he, going to want the house and the cars. For Scoot. And I, I just, I don't know how much I'm, I'm willing to give up for him. Let's run through some of your comments. Here on the Monty Show, presented by our good friends at Bucked Up Energy, the official energy provider of the Monty Show. You guys, I'm telling you, if you have not shopped the Bucked Up sale today, buckedup.com, it is absolutely a treasure trove. Everything at buckedup.com today, 45% off right now. Use the promo code 45 off. I saved $211 today, and I got things like greens, collagen peptides. I got 10 boxes of buckshot, watermelon buckshot. Got yes. 10 boxes of it. I saved $211. Stock up today at buckedup.com. Use the promo code 45OFF at buckedup.com. It is their best sale day of the year. Hook it up right now because stuff is going fast. I saw a lot of people commenting uh, that they went to buckedup.com. So, hey, man, I'm telling you, the sale is fantastic. Hook it up, buckedup.com. Um, Monty Oza Ribeye says, hopefully it's a fun summer for the NBA. Dude, we need it. Because yeah, last year, last <laughs> summer felt very serious. 
around the NBA, you know, whether it was the Lakers or the the Jazz burning it to the ground or... Well, this summer's going to get real serious for uh, Ja Morant because that's coming down too, and everyone's forgotten about it. I think Ja Morant's a big storyline. I think he's... I think, you know, the guys on ESPN this morning were talking about how a Friday news dump seems appropriate. You know what? I got to agree because you're not going to do it on the day the Nuggets have their championship parade. No. Right? You're not doing that. I think tomorrow, on a real quiet day, a week before the draft, John Morant's going to get a year-long suspension. When is parade? I mean, parade's today. When is parade? Nicola, t- parade's today. I need to go home. Well, at the, after the parade today, you can go home. No. Uh, well, okay. My point is, my point is, uh, I'm telling you right now that I would guess Friday, because you're not going to suspend John Moran a significant amount of time. Whether it's 40 games or 82 games, you're not going to suspend him the week of the NBA draft, yeah. which is a week from today. And it feels like waiting till after is a mistake. You can't do it. You can't do it, Because you've already met with him. John yeah. knows what his punishment is, right? Notice he's radio silent. He knows what his punishment is. You got to announce it. I think tomorrow's the day that they that it gets announced. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. Uh, oh, Cowboy Country says if I were the Spurs, I would not take Victor Wambanyama. He is way too skinny. He needs to put on 20, 30 pounds, or he will be pushed around like a rag doll. He's seven five and only weighs two thirty. It's terrifying because imagine being the San Antonio Spurs because we I believe we all recognize they've had well what's good about him. What's bad about him? What do we like? Yes. What do we hate? Like you're sitting around doing that, right? You, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, because you have to have. You can't let him play in summer league. Draft Express lists Buddy at two twenty seven, and I think that's generous. Yeah, take the rocks out of his pocket, dude. But you know what, Cowboy Country, I think you're you're right for sure. Uh, Brady Cook, do we still try and go after a big name in free agency? Mm. I think you're going to have to trade. I think it's going to be difficult to, and I don't know that this is necessarily a great free agent class specific to the Jazz. Yeah. You're not going after James Harden, right? I, I think that you have to get through the draft first. I, I think that, you know, free agency and the buyout market and like these different things that happen after the draft, let those live after the draft. I think, I think for this yeah. squad right now, you like, the Jazz have had a tendency, not with this group, but the Dennis Lindsay era, to mess up the draft on a regular basis. And I think that Devin chapter Booker. needs to be left behind now. But the yes. only way to leave that behind is by executing in this draft. So to me, obviously, you've got options. And I, I this is just conjecture, my opinion, but I have to think if you're Danny Ainge, Justin Zanuck, and Ryan Smith, you're sitting here saying, okay, we've got a plan A which is to move up inside the top five and, and get the guy, the, the guy that we like, whoever that might be, whether that's Scoot or Ammon, you know, depending on where you land. If that doesn't work out, or for whatever reason, if you couldn't move up, which I would be surprised, then we can start focusing on, hey, we're going to make some trades or we're going to you know, do this or do that because we weren't able to get you know, where we wanted to be in the draft. So I just think free agency is too far out. I, I think that 
you know, you, like you tongue in cheek about James Harden, but but the league needs to see where James Harden's going to go. I mean, is this somebody who's going back to Houston? Well, you know, are are you know, there's this rumor being run out there about the Lakers, but grain of salt because it's yeah, the Lakers. I, I, like it just feels kind of fabricated. Like there's there's a lot there in the James Harden situation. And by the way. What in the hell are the Phoenix Suns going to do? Because I think that's the team that rocks the boat, if you will, the league, based on where they trade these guys. Yeah, I I think it's really interesting. Because you have – the league has gotten so much younger now. Yeah. The league – and this draft is not going to change that. I mean, hell, we just ran through the first 10 picks, and they're all 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. Um, the, this, this draft is not going to change that. And I think because of that – Yeah. Same, man. College basketball is in a tough spot. Uh, Kaneran says, putting all of my trust in Danny to do the right thing, as I think And I should. think that's reliable. I think it's reasonable. I think the guy's track record proves that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I think it's it's just one of those situations where you don't know, and then you also don't know what the New Orleans Pelicans are going to do Dude. with Zion Williamson because this is becoming a situation where, dude, they're meeting – today in New Orleans at the Saints facilities with Zion Williamson. The Pelicans and the and Zion Williamson are meeting today or met today to try and figure out how the hell they can move forward because this off-field drama with or off-court drama with Zion and these porn stars and strippers and one's pregnant and one's, you know, tweeting heinous things about their sex life and another, like, I think... Not only has the missed time, injuries, lack of fitness, lack of dedication, questions about professionalism. Well, if that wasn't bad enough, now you're humiliating an organization that generally doesn't put up with that. And the ownership there is, is by some accounts, drawn weary. Um, this adult performer that was revealing detailed sexual encounters that she had with with Zion, um, yeah. It's tweets about him moving her to New Orleans, essentially saying, "Hey, if I move you here, will you be my girlfriend?" Like, just all of this craziness. I think they're trying to figure out what to do, and it. it I'm just gonna say what I've said for the last three off seasons: trade him, mm -hmm. trade him. He needs it. You need it. Zion Williamson is right now today. One of the biggest busts in the history of the NBA draft. Agreed. Completely agreed, dude. And New Orleans ain't fixing that. Yeah, and what's really interesting is there are some reports coming out about this meeting that he was having with uh, with David Griffin, and apparently the owner of the Pelicans, Gail, Gail Benson, mm -hmm. showed up to the meeting. And I all reports, like, it was fine. So I don't know. Uh, it seems like things are okay. We're not getting you know, Woj bombs or Sham saying no. things like, hey, they're there. The meeting was rocky and, you know, looking at potential but trade targets. David's never been a guy that releases a bunch of information about yeah, the true. meetings that he has. And yeah. the Benson family, it, you know, I mean, th there would be no positive in them saying, hey, we're trading this guy. Yeah. This is an out of left field deal, which it won't be. But when he gets traded, my guess is you will not you will not see it coming. Yeah. Because that's how they're going to get their value for it. And frankly, if I'm the New Orleans Pelicans, I'm just trying to get out from under Zion Williamson. This has been nothing short of an abject failure in New Orleans for him. 
and he needs to go somewhere. He needs to go somewhere where you're a veteran team. Mm -hmm. He's somebody that needs to go to Golden State. He's somebody that needs to be around one of the best veteran players in this league. And I don't know where that is and what fit it is, but if I'm New Orleans, I'm moving Zion Williamson. I'm done. Let's go somewhere. I'm done with all this. Yeah, same. I, 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 you have tried and tried with this cat, and nothing has gotten him to lose weight consistently. I think that's nothing it, has gotten him to be healthy consistently. And now he betrays ah. you with off-court drama, with adult performers and sex acts and babies, and I'm done with it. I'm done with it. And by the way, this coming season's year one of the extension. And which is the thing that I don't understand. Why did you sign him to that extension? Because I think you thought he would fix it. That's the only explanation. But you should have traded him before you signed him to the extension. Yeah, you should have. I love this thing in the NBA where it's like, well, I mean, he's only in his 19th year. How do we know what he's going to be as a professional? Get your lazy ass in the gym. Dudes don't, when, when you are, with all due respect, kid, when you're fat and you're unprofessional, you're likely not changing. Fat! I know, I know, trust me. When you're overweight and you're unprofessional, I joke, which Zion Williamson is, and you're paid tens of millions of dollars from Nike, from the Pels, from like all these endorsements, and you won't stop eating, you won't stop having sex, and you won't work out, and you're out of shape, and you are constantly hurt. Because you're out of shape. What are you hanging on to? You're not fixing him, right? And and I'm a big believer that we've got to stop trying to fix people. Zion's got to fix Zion or he ain't going to get fixed. Trade him. Let him be somebody else's project. We get too emotional and we want to hang on to dudes. And I'm just telling you now, you're littered. You're littered across the league with these dudes. And I think the tough part is when we talk about lack of professionalism, for professional athletes, being in shape is just an assumption. It's not like, oh, wow, hey, here's a sticker for being in like. You're a professional athlete, dude. Like, it is yes. assumed that you will be in shape. Now, again, you know, dudes getting into game shape versus, you know, off-season shape. Okay, everyone goes through that, right? Like, you know, and the best players show up in game shape. Okay, if that was the issue, we're good. We can fix that. But you're talking about somebody who just won't, won't conform, won't, will not get it done. And... This is where the guaranteed contract in the league, it, I have a problem with. It's a mistake. I, I just don't think, I like, I... I think you should have to earn your guaranteed contract. I think, I think your rookie deal should not be guaranteed. And it, it's these fifth-year options and these, unrest, like, restricted versus unrestricted. How many uh, restricted free agents have gone out on visits? When's the last time DeAndre Ayton was your best player on the Suns? But what happened? He was a restricted free agent. So we went to Indianapolis and they're like, hey, dude, I'm just going to toss you the keys to our Brinks truck. Let's see what the Suns say. (laughs) Well, they matched. And how did that work out for the Suns? Terribly is how it worked out. It was a failure. Yeah. It was an absolute failure. Right? Well, it did. By the way, did you guys hear what Detroit did for Monty Williams? So Monty Williams did not take the piston job because his wife has breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So they say to him, hey, why don't we put your wife on, on our health insurance 
and we'll take care of her, her coverage. Pre-existing condition with cancer. You think that's tough to get covered? And the Pistons covered it. Unbelievable, dude. Unbelievable. And I don't know if Monty Williams is a championship coach. The Suns had balls firing him. And I think the Pistons got a great hire for a young roster that needs development. Monty Williams is Cade a great Cade Cunningham coach. under Monty Williams. Dude. Gas. Dude. And I wonder, by the way, I also wonder what do the Detroit Pistons do in this draft? Because when you look at, you know what the Spurs in Charlotte are probably doing. You, I think you have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. I think trades will happen at three or four. The Detroit Pistons are going to get a hell of a player at five. Look at some of these guys they got available to them. You know, like obviously Cam Whitmore is the favorite to go to them. But Taylor Hendricks, names, man. Anthony Black, who I think potentially could be. Yeah. I love Anthony Black. Yes. Um, Cody Bufkin. You, you, I mean, Derek Whitehead, who I'm telling you, I know nobody wants to talk about it. That kid is a top five player in this draft. He's got the goods. Telling the Pistons are going to have their pick of the litter, man. And I think they're going to improve wildly. I think they're going to improve. Uh, Bryce Martin says, I hope to God we, the Houston Rockets, don't get James Harden back. Well, but again, don't you need... Yeah. Don't you need James Harden back in all the craziness? I... You, you I, have got to get... You have got to change the culture in Houston. But I don't and know that James does that. I think he does. James Harden is a lot of things. He's intelligent and he's professional and he wants to win now because he knows he needs a championship. And I think after what you saw in Philadelphia, James Harden was a different James Harden in Philadelphia. Dedicated. We saw the scorer come back. We saw the shooter come back. Had a tough, a couple of tough games in the playoffs. I, I, don't, I, I don't think anybody doubts that. Mm -hmm. But didn't we see the best version of James Harden we've seen in recent years? Yeah, Certainly I mean, since I, he yeah. left Houston. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. So... I think the Houston Rockets can do anything they want. The Houston Rockets, I think, are in a position where they can pivot and do a complete rebuild, free agency trades. We're veterans. We're middle of the Western Conference. Or they can keep their best young talent, trade some of their young talent, and become a 7-8-9 team. They really can do anything they want. You mm -hmm. have... Regardless of what you think about the man as a human being and, and a moral compass and stuff, <laughs> you have a really good head coach who I think showed you something in Boston. I, they were better with him than they were with showed some other Showed some other people some something in Boston too, but that's not my <laughs> point. My point is you're in a really good place there. Yeah. And now the question becomes, what do you do? Yeah. But Bryce, I would not be hanging your head. I wouldn't. Bryce also says, uh, is Zion on the verge of getting contact detrimental to the league? He's not. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, hey, Bryce, I think uh, the Ja Morant issue is a little closer to conduct detrimental to the league than totally Zion agree. being a fat ass and spending too much time in the strip club. Totally agree. By the way, the strip club is common policy in the league that nobody talks about. Oh, absolutely. Strip Nightly. club is... Strip club is culture in this league. He, he is. Uh, let's see. Uh, K. Nuren says, I could see Zion to the Lakers. Yeah. That's a step back for them, I think. Uh, Jeremy Calzone says, wherever he goes, to be a fit, they're going to need an extra seat for a baby on board. Here's the game plan. Buddy just rolled out, hey, they need to get a baby on board baby sticker for the team board. charter. 
baby on board. Come on now. Come on now. Um, Jimmy Otson, Boise State is the Gonzaga of football. Um, oh, I'm sorry, they're the what? Gonzaga of football. Fuck. Gonzaga. 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 I like Gonzaga. Gonzaga. I earned that one. <laughs> uh, Calzone says trade him to Denver and he can get an endorsement deal with for chicken nuggets. Bro, chill, dude. Don't you chill. mean don't you mean boneless wings? Damn. Uh, salty drunk. Pels must have some idea of how to, he ticks pre-draft. Have to. Have to. I mean, you understood when you drafted him that he was a fat ass. Right, you understood that, like you. I would hope so. Like, I mean, it's pretty clear when you bust open a Kyrie at Duke. Like, I, I think but you isn't understand this, that. Isn't this what you what we're talking about with VW? You knew Zion couldn't play the game he played in high school and college in the NBA. And I again, it's all on the channel. It's all on the channel. Everything we ever say stays on the channel for the rest of its existence. What did I tell you when they wanted to draft Zion Williamson? Yep. The guy can't shoot, and he plays above the rim, and he's fat. And those are all things for lower body injuries, right? Back issues, ACL problems. Dude, you can't outrun father time and mother nature at the same time. So when you're LeBron James and your lower back hurts, you go to the best body guy in the business and you pay him millions of dollars and you become one of the greatest players of all time. And what did Braun do? He cut weight. You cannot be Zion Williamson and thrive in the NBA. But this is what we said about him at the draft. What are we saying about Vic? Well, and I think the thing with Vic is that it's easier to lie to yourself about it, right? Because you can say things like, oh, well, he's in a professional league oh, now. Oh, no, it, and... it's because he's not fat. This is, we're, we, this is what we do in this country. We fat shame people. Fat! Fat. Victor Wambanyama is not an NBA body. Does he have great length? Sure he does. Sure he does. He's got probably four legs. I don't give a shit. He, he, he is not strong enough. He is not physical enough. And he doesn't want to play below the free throw line. Well, guess what? That means you're not going to play and you're going to have a short career. Because you're going to get hurt. And you're going to eventually have to do the things you don't want to do because you won't do the things you need to do now. <coughs> Plain and simple. That's, that is what it is. Bryce Martin says fat cat syndrome for Zion. Facts. Salty drunk says class act by Detroit. Absolutely. Agreed. Absolutely. Uh, Bryce also says James elevates play but doesn't change the culture. Plus, we don't have a lot of talent around him, unlike those 2018-19 teams. But I think you're going to change that. Yeah, that's so. That's a conundrum if you're Houston, and and I'm I'm with you on this, Bryce. I agree that James played well in Philly. He I, did. I don't have a doubt about that. I but I but I think it's kind of asking a lot for James Harden to come in and be anything other than a scorer because he's playing with young guys. Now, again, if you change that, if you say, okay, we're gonna we're gonna trade some of our best talent and bring in you know, veterans or guys, maybe not, I'm not saying old guys, but guys who are, you know, mid to upper twenties in their prime. Like you're going to do a deal or two like that to help James. I can kind of see it, but I just don't love the idea of him going back there with the expectation that you would be a playoff team. I don't love that. No, I'm not. I ain't falling down a James Harden hole, man. Big James Harden guy. I know. Speaking as, of as a first game. team fat ass to get traded as a game, fat. I like his game. You know, yeah. Uh, Calzone says, "Oh, my knee is killing me." Zion, <laughs> yes. Jet Wayman says, "Something tells me the Spurs won't draft Wemby." Really? 
You think it's really? a ploy? I well, I mean, you could get a gold mine for that be first pick, dude. Shocking. Can you can you imagine what they would get for that pick because oh of God. Wemby? Oh my God! I no, I they're drafting him, dude. They have to. Jet says Victor doesn't want to play center. Try telling that to Pop, dude. Uh, by the way, U.S. Open's getting a little tight. Just saying. It is. How about, uh, you know what I love about the U.S. Open? Rory McIlroy's playing golf. Minus five through ten. Minus five through ten. And I love it. And he's driving the hell out of the ball. He just drove the 11th. I'm telling you, Rory McIlroy, when he is on, is really good. Ricky Fowler and Xander Shoffley both shot uh, U.S. Open record 62 minus eights today. Minus eight 62s today. Ties for the lowest ever in a major championship. They sit on top. Harmon's minus six. McElroy's minus five with Clark. English, minus four through 13. Scheffler uh, is uh, minus three on his round. He shot a 67 today. Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and Bryson DeChambeau are all minus three. A lot of good golfers under par. Hanging around. Hideki Matsuyama's even. Right? Like, you have a lot of talent on this leaderboard. I think this course gets significantly harder tomorrow. Yes, it does. Because the pin placements were not nearly as difficult as they could be. Yeah. I think this has potential. Man, Hideki Matsuyama is just playing terrible golf. Yeah. Drives it in the bunker on, on 11. Because it's garbage. Man. And that's about six to eight inches short of where McElroy landed. McElroy's in great spot. Matsuyama's in the bunker. That's golf. In a really terrible spot. That is exactly golf. That's exactly right. So, so there you go. <clears throat> I love it. Uh, Greg Hawkins, Ricky Fowler is such a likable golfer. Yeah, he is. Hell of a story. Yes, he is. Hell of a story. Yes, he is. And I hope he wins. It would be an amazing story. Colorado Aggies says the Nuggets are NBA champions. Are you sure? No, stop. Come on, man. Well, They're not going to win the championship. You know, the Nuggets and all five of their fans at the parade today. Venice Parade. Venice Parade. Why are you hating no. on Nuggets fans? Well, because there are no Nuggets fans because they weren't at the parade. Is that right? Yeah. The the street. I'm not kidding. It's all over Twitter. The streets were empty during their oh, parade. No. Like they you know how you know how during the parade they have the starting oh, point no. and they've got like a ton of people there, right? Okay, great. They all showed up there. But you know how an NBA parade, it's like for the Raptors. Remember the Raptors parade? Yes. Or even the Golden State parade? Yes. Like the streets were lined and it was a party the whole way. And like, that didn't really happen for Denver, man. I don't know. The, the Cantavius Caldwell Pope beer chugging contest with a fan? I don't know. You look at some of the overhead shots. A little light, bro. It was a little light. Is that little, true? In my opinion, it was a little light. I don't know. Dude, there's a lot of fans there. Mm. Come on now. No, I am. Denver's good, dude. I like Denver a lot. We were talking about this before the show, too. That the honeys in Denver. No, I'm kidding. We never talked about the honeys in Denver. We all know they're in Aspen. Uh, but the point is, uh, Denver's a good, is a really good town. Really good town. All right, a couple more. Uh, OG Gary says, okay, y'all. See you later. See you later, Gary. Always appreciate you, buddy. Uh, Truck Stop Gummy says, Galf. Exactly. Uh, Rowdy Every Point says, Justin Thomas game is gone in the toilet, dude. You ain't even kidding about that. Brady Cook says Justin Thomas is not playing well. He's not. He's not, which is which is fairly amazing. Yeah. How far he has fallen. Because since he won the PGA, he just has not been able to regain his form. 
and it's it's been very difficult. Um, but you look at guys like Wyndham Clark and Harris English being being minus five and minus four. This this tomorrow, the Friday at the Open is going to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. My guy Max Homa minus two six, uh, shot a two under sixty eight today. Gotta love that. Love 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 that. Sam Bennett, the amateur. Minus three. Yeah, I love that about golf, dude. It's not amateur. It's amateur. 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 Uh, three under today. Yeah. Which is unbelievable. Yeah, and reports coming out of the parade now say that there were a ton of people there. So maybe that was yeah. just why some you, hating. Why don't you shut up? Maybe that was some hating, dude. You shut up. Uh, Thomas is a streaky player. Yes, he is. But yes, he's he all is. of us, right? Like, Justin Thomas is us. Like, Justin Thomas is the guy who, like, curses on the tee box. Like... He's so relatable. That's why I think everyone loves him. He is relatable. He absolutely is relatable. This hour of the show presented by our good friends at trydaytrading.com. Go get your $10 30-day membership. It's a $10 charitable donation. And you guys, I'm telling you, I'm just warning you, if you, st- if you get into stocks and you get into trading, the money's ridiculous and it is addicting. It is, it is an addiction. Correctamundo. And I love every second of it. It is the only thing that I just am like, dude, how's, uh, how's my GE? How's my Amazon stock? How's my, I'm all about it. And TridayTrading.com teaches you how to make money. They teach you how to, how to leverage their algorithms, their systems, their process. Do you know that there are people today uh, because of Triday Trading, who made $1,000 today. Mm-hmm. They made $1,000 today. Did you make $1,000 at your job today? Did you make 500 bucks at your job today? And the best part about it is you want to do it part-time, you want to be a day trader part-time, they'll teach you how to set your processes, automate your trades, so that throughout the day while you're working your full-time gig, you're making money. Yep, It's making money for you, right? Um, and if you want to do it full-time and you want to live that lifestyle and you want to work for yourself and you want to truly be that entrepreneur you've always dreamed about being, trydaytrading.com. They're going to teach you how to do that. And the best part is when you go through their 30-day trial membership for 10 bucks, they give you it all. You don't get like some small version. You get full coaching, full teaching, everything that everybody else gets, you get it for 10 bucks. And if at the end of that 30 days, it's not for you, walk away from it. You get a tax right out for the 10 bucks. Totally cool. I'm telling you, nobody walks away from it because it's a tremendous program. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Make sure you tell me you heard about it on the Monty Show. And then let's jam, dude, because it's time for you to start making money. Man, things are expensive. One of the things we talked about recently was the, the cost of gas, food, your house. Think about how much it is to buy a house right now. Expensive as hell. How out of reach is a house. But let's say you made $300,000 in the next 12 months as a day trader because you went to trydaytrading.com. How much would how much would that change your life? Yeah. How much would it impact you if you went to trydaytrading.com and you made $150,000 as a part-time trader? Think about that. If you just traded and you made 200 bucks a day, 5 days a week. It's $1,000. Made $4,000 a month. Yeah. You added you added $48,000 to your income every year. Would that be all right? Okay, well, what if we just double that? Yeah. Because you're going to make more money as you become a more proficient trader and you continue. Because by the way, when you're done with their program, they don't just leave you hanging out to dry. You get continuing education. You get continuing support and coaching. So your $200 comes $300 and $400. Like it is something that you can absolutely hone your skills at 
And that's why most people who go through the Triday system, it is not uncommon for you to be a full-time trader because you realize how lucrative it is. And when you're ready to start trading, they're gonna put money into your trading account and you're gonna trade that money. And when you make money with Triday Trading's money, they give you 80% of the profit. What do you have to lose, man? Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Sign up for your $10 30-day membership. Tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Let's start making that real bread, yo. Do it. Justin Thomas is us, just 20 strokes better. <laughs> Rowdy, every point says 40 for me, Greg. I have a golf lesson tomorrow morning. Well, okay, two minutes, two minutes. We got to go. We got to get out of here. But why do you hate golf lessons? I'll be honest with you. I, I really do hate golf lessons. I, I cannot stand golf lessons. I just... There's only one golf professional I trust, and it's Darren Ingram. Why guy, is that? My guy, Darren, I can't, because everything he tells me is just common sense. Mm -hmm. That's what I really, it, this is why I golf at Canyons. Not because, and I know it says, well, they, they are the official course of the Monty Show. Blah, and blah, it blah. is a damn good course. Do you know why I golf with, it, with Darren at Canyons? Because I was telling him, hey, dude, one of my major problems right now, here's, my, here's where I'm at in golf. Yeah. Right? Give me a driver, I can bang 265 to 320. And I can be pretty accurate with it. I have kind of a, I don't ever hook. Generally, my biggest problem is I, I hit a high, sometimes when I don't hit it right, I hit a high spinner that fades a little right. Yeah. But when I bang it, it's 300 yards and it's usually down the pipe, right? Yep. But I get in trouble on par threes occasionally. I go through these stretches where I cannot hit it straight. I hit a line drive directly left. And I, I fucking hit it, man. Like it shot out of a cannon, dude. Yeah. But the issue is the last golf lesson I took screwed me up so badly. Because it's garbage. And this, this, this dude I take lessons from, not Darren Ingram, this guy I take lessons from, it's a really good teacher. But what I need is I need a lesson and a follow-up. I need a lesson and then a follow-up and a lesson and a lesson. And I need... I think I think that's what you have to tell, dude. Because I, I agree. Like, okay, like if you think about how you learn something, okay, the first time you're absorbing the information, right? And especially with something like golf or anything that you have to sort of feel to be good at it. Yes. You got to be taught it first. Then you got to rep it out and do it wrong and kind of feel it. And then you need your coach to kind of say, hey, this is what you need to do. And then it's like, you, there's this light bulb moment where now you can do it repeatedly every single time. And the problem is you're never getting to the light bulb moment. You're getting that lesson, that's you right. swing a bunch and you go out on the course and you're, and you're all pissed off about but, it. And, and that's, what, that's the difference. But what happens when I go to the driving range? You usually have breakthroughs. I study my, my film a lot. If you follow me on Instagram or TikTok, you know that I post a lot of golf footage. Yeah. And I really work on it. So tonight I'm going to go bang probably 100 golf balls. And I am going to exclusively work on irons and specifically irons off the tee. Because it's, it, and I don't know, I'm not the guy that's like, oh yeah, I know everything. I know what I'm doing. I'm not. Everything I do well in golf, I'm self-taught. Everything. And whether it's the driver, whether it's my foot position, whether it's how I'm moving my hips, and I have two issues that I have not been able to fix, hip rotation and this thing off the tee with the irons. And tonight, I am going to fix the thing off the tee with the irons. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to take a lesson. 
And I'm going to tell them, hey, I need another lesson. Like tomorrow's Friday. I need a lesson like Tuesday. Because generally what I like to do is play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Nothing on Monday. Driving range, chip putt on Tuesday. Driving range on Wednesday. Nothing on Thursday. Play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, That's my golf week. That's what I like. It's tough for me. I'm really busy. I don't have a lot of time. I don't like golfing without my wife because I think it's very time consuming. Like, so her schedule has to line up with my schedule. Like it's just difficult. But when I go to the driving range and I spend an hour and a half hitting a hundred balls, I can generally fix it. Yeah. And so it drives me crazy to take lessons. I, I hate taking lessons and everybody tells me, Oh dude, it'll change your game. I we'll want to, that. I want to, but And Greg, truer words have never been spoken. Truer words have never been spoken. I, I'm a 12 handicap right now. I started it in 18, but I have just progressively gotten less accurate with my irons off the driver. Mm -hmm. In the fairways, like getting figured at PXG yesterday, I just had the realization that I don't need more clubs. I have the length I need. I can hit my irons. The only club I cannot hit right now is a, is a hybrid. I, stop, I literally stopped carrying my hybrid because I could not hit it. I took it out of my bag. And you know what? My guy at PXG gave me some tips on it. I'm going to tweak it. I'm going to change the position of the head. Great. I'll try and hit it again. My issue now is I need to play and I need to improve because I cannot stand the fact that I can't hit an iron off the tee without hitting it left. And it just, it just pisses me off. And I know that it's my lead hand. I know that it is my lead hand closing the club face down. And I need to fix that. Yeah, I need to fix that. Because I've got the back arm. I'm good off the tee. Like, I hit the ball extremely hard. Like, I need to fix my irons off the tee. That is my, my goal this week is to really work on my irons off the tee and uh, get a little bit better with my three wood off the deck. Yeah. That's what my goal is. And I just, I want to improve at golf. I want to improve at golf. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Riley O'Brien says, hey, Monty, what's up, Riley? Good to see you. Greg Hawkins, lessons are interesting because they teach you how to swing with the least amount of variation possible to be consistent, but sometimes consistency is the swing you feel. Oh, Dude, golf is all feel. Yeah. Golf is all feel. The, this idea of pushing that left hip back and bending, and that's how I learn. I have to be able to feel like at the top of my backswing. It was like, you take a full swing, it's screwing you up. Dude, I can't hit a ball straight if I take a half, if I take a three-quarter swing. I've got one speed, especially with a driver, I've got one speed. Yeah. That's it. Full swing. That's it. And I've really worked on that. I've probably hit 10,000 driver shots now. And I feel pretty good about my driver. I feel pretty good about my driver. Nobody. I would be the greatest golfer in the history of man. <laughs> but nobody with a driver hits. Like we're watching the open today and we're watching guys with driver hit like 60% of their fairways. Yeah. And that's at the professional level. Yeah. So it, I, my goal is on every hole to be in position to to have a shot in for birdie. If I can be, and I'll be honest with you, my biggest struggle is my second shot. Yeah. Because I put myself with irons off the tee in such terrible positions that 
that second shot has become more and more difficult over the last two, three weeks. Yeah. And I got to fix it because I cannot continually fight that second shot. And yeah. again, I'm not trying to hate on the guy. The, the golf pro I take lessons from is actually very good. He speaks my language. Right. But he, the only thing I would say is he, it can't be a thing where the guy is like trying to cookie cutter me into things. What I want is this, and I'm going to talk to him about this tonight. Like, I want you to look at my swing and tweak it. Tell me what I need. What are, what are the, because there are things that you can't do. There are six, eight things that you just say absolutely can't do. Like, there are two things I think I do that I can't do. I cannot, I, sometimes I get ahead of myself. My hands get ahead of my body, which is absolutely terrible. But I can feel that happening. And I tend to get a little narrow on my backswing sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And I'm working on that. But this 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 irons off the tee thing has got to get fixed today. Yeah. So, Jeremy Calzone, will changing the position of the head uh, and your lead hand really satisfy you? Oh, dude, you have no idea. What now? Let me tell you what now. You have no idea. All right. Ask your mom. Um, is it, see what that I, was a mom joke. That was a mom joke. Dude, and there. Donut says, I've tried helping. And you've helped wonderfully. Greg Hawkins, you need to go from a Y shape to an L shape with your arms. I hate that advice, dude. The seven position. Shut up. Yeah. That's the other one. The How about the six position? You got to get in the seven position. What about 69, sir? Love you guys. Jack wagon. Until tomorrow, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.